Pulaski to Boone. Bugard down the wing. Bugard falls away. Score! This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and today's guest is a very... Very fun one. It's the very first player interview I've done, so I apologize if it's kind of a little shaky and I might not ask the right questions, but, you know, it's my first time doing it, so hopefully it turned out all right and you guys enjoy it, but it's with none other than a guy who played in every fucking league that had toughness, and that's the one Mr. Jason Renard, and, you know, Jason, if you're listening, but I, I thank you so much for coming on and giving me the time of day, you know, I'm a fucking nobody in my, <laughs> in my living room here in Florida interviewing you, but, you know, you... You gave me a great interview, and I really, I really, truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day for coming on and everything like that. But, you know, it's funny. This is my second time recording this intro, and, you know, I had one. Typically, I'll, I'll, I'll interview somebody, and then I'll record the intro a couple of days later just because, you know, we just talked for two hours or whatever the case may be, hour and a half, hour, two hours. So I don't – I try not to record right after because my voice is starting to get a little hoarse at that point. So I'll, I'll typically record it a, a couple of days later. But something came up, so I had recorded this uh, this intro beforehand about a week and a half ago, probably, and it was great, and nothing was wrong with it, but, you know, Renard, uh, Jason, he had sent me something that kind of made me want to re-record this, and wh- what he sent me was a, um, I'm not going to say who it was, but a, a message from a player who he used to, uh, he used to protect on his team, and... It kind of, you know, it spoke to me a little bit about what it was. And it was a player basically just, you know, thanking Jason for being that guy on the team that protected his teammates and stood up for the boys and everything like that. And it kind of speaks volumes about, you know, not only just Jason himself as a character and what a fucking beauty of a guy he is, or <laughs> beauty of a guy he is, excuse me, sorry, a few beers deep now. Um, but also just kind of speaks to the the role of an enforcer as well and how they just kind of get swept under the rug. And he goes into kind of detail about how his season kind of wasn't going that well. And even Jason, even on his own team, Jason stuck up for him from what, what the boys were saying and it turned his whole fucking season around. And people don't realize that, you know, a locker room guy actually does mean something regardless of what people say on social media. And I know that's, I've never been in the pro setting of hockey, obviously. I'm a fucking beer league scrub. But having one of those guys around on the team, and if you've been in organized sports, you know what what having a guy like that does. Whether And it doesn't have to be an enforcer, but just a guy who brings great fucking energy to the team and is always positive, no matter what the case may be. And it's these guys are just so far looked over today in the world of sports on social media and shit like that. So I kind of wanted to just go over, this will probably be the longest intro I do. Cause I'm going to kind of go here on a little bit of a rant. So I do apologize for that. Um, but it, it makes this whole thing kind of cool that the fact that Jason sent me that and you know, Jason himself said, you know, this was awesome. I, I can't believe he actually sent me that. And you know, it, it makes him feel good. And you know, maybe uh, choked him up a little bit, which totally understandable. And what these guys do for their team, they fucking, they 
bleed for the crest. They bleed for their teammates. They they go through injuries. They don't get all the ice time. They don't score all the goals, but they allow those guys to do it. And so often they're swept under the rug. And it's so fucking unfortunate because on social media these days, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be, oh, he's a goon, he's a plug, he's a duster, blah, blah, blah. Well, not only do you not have the fucking credentials to say that to a professional athlete, and also, by the way, regardless if they played in the AHL, the ECHL, the SPHL, that's still top-tier professional fucking athletes getting paid to do a sport. And typically, the guys who are saying that have either just made some sweet franchise mode team on NHL 19, or they're probably the best league or the best player at their fucking men's league in their own little hometown at the fucking local rink. So it's fucking it's disrespectful as shit. One and two, it's just fucking ignorant. But you know, seeing that, and you know, after talking with Jason, you can see what a sincere fucking guy is. So this interview was awesome. And you know, again, Jason, thanks for coming on. But it's what makes this whole thing, it's not the right, that's not the right word, because I'm not trying to do it. I'm just doing this for fun and try to give, give the guys or give everybody out there good interviews with guys who might not get the questions asked. And that's what the whole point is. You know, Darren, the, the original Enforcer podcast, do me a favor, go over there, Fourth Line Voice, listen to his podcast, and also William over there at The Biscuit, who also interviews a lot of the fourth-line guys. He's got interviews with guys like George Zorock, Darren McCarty, and then you got Darren, who's got Josh Mazur, Dan Kopeck, Dean Mayrand. But what those guys do, and what our main goal is here, we're, we're all not in competition, and we've gone over this a couple times, but I want to reiterate it, and you know, I look at both William and Darren as great friends. I've never met them in, my, in a day in my life, never met them at all. But they've given me so much advice and helped me so much just starting out on my podcast, even though technically I'm covering the same shit as them, but they've just embraced it and it's been fucking great. And I do, I, I seriously, I fucking can't thank you guys enough for that. You know, I'll thank you every fucking episode. <laughs> it's just how it's going to go because w- without, without you guys, this shit doesn't fucking happen. So the main goal of all of our shit though, is to give these guys a voice and well, I mean, it's right there, and it's right there in Darren's podcast name, the Fourth Line Voice. It's to give these guys a platform and hear the stories that they have to tell and hear what they have to say because they didn't score all the goals or get all the assists and put up all these crazy point numbers and get all the fame. These dudes did the nitty gritty job that gets so often fucking swept under the rug, and it's so fucking sickening to me to see how their role is just fucking tarnished today, and everybody just shits on them. He's a goon, idiot dummy whatever the case may be but you just see it non-stop on social media people just shitting on these fucking guys and it's so disrespectful and like i said just fucking sickening it just pisses me off to no fucking end so i apologize i'm gonna get kind of ranty here oh i already fucking am but you know it is what it is but to see that like i said that text message from jason's teammate that's 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 hand in hand that's from experience it's not it's not somebody else saying how much he appreciated Jason. It's a fucking teammate saying that. So that just shows you that their role actually fucking meant something. And they weren't just out there to be fucking idiots. Their role meant something. Regardless if it was to fight, to hit, or just to boost fucking morale in the locker room. That role, the, the enforcer role itself, has a fucking purpose. And so often it's it's looked over today and I, I just simply, I can't fucking stand it. So that's why I had to re-record this intro because I really wanted to dive into this a little bit and get into it. So I just, I hate seeing 
how these guys are so so mistreated and I guess um, mislabeled or misjudged on their role and everything like that. But that's why I'm glad this whole podcast thing has started. And, you know, without Darren and William, my podcast doesn't happen. Without the Facebook group, um, and if you haven't gone on there, go look it up. It's Best in Forces and Hockey Fights. Without that Facebook group, this podcast doesn't happen. That's the whole reason I started this podcast was because player, or excuse me, fans wanted player um, question and answers. And I figured instead of getting cookie, cookie cutter answers, uh, type it out and then they type it back, we could do an actual interview and get some great fucking stories. Um, and so here we are. So without that shit, this doesn't happen. So I can't thank all you guys enough out there that are both in the enforcer group. Even if, even if you're not, and you've pumped the show up on Twitter, you know, fucking thank you. I seriously do appreciate it. And you're giving these guys a pedestal to kind of, um, talk about their role and be heard for once. Cause you know, a lot of these guys may not have gotten an interview, and that's the funny thing, you know, Darren <laughs> Darren um, had said with uh, Josh Mazer, that was his very first player guest he ever had, and he had asked uh, Josh through Twitter, I believe, and, you know, Darren, I'm sorry if I get this fucking story wrong, but he had asked Josh, hey, will you come on the show? And, you know, Mazer's over there like, why? <laughs> you know, like, I was, I was just a fourth-line guy. But there's a certain aspect of fan, or excuse me, certain group of fans that appreciate that aspect of the game and the enforcer and everything like that. And that's the tight knit group we have there on Twitter. And then also in the enforcer group, we all actually fucking appreciate these guys. And I think it's important and it's just not, it's just not there in today's fans. They just, they look at that side of hockey and it's the dark ages or that was really shitty hockey and blah, blah, blah. And that's a whole fucking different argument. But Believe me, if if you're a former player and you're listening to this and you happen to be a fourth-line guy, I promise you that there's people out there that we we all actually appreciate what the fuck you did. And we understand where you're coming from if you, you know, the role you had in the game, regardless of, of what people say. So... I'll kind of uh, I'll kind of end it there, and I apologize for getting ranty. Normally, I try to keep these things under ten minutes. We're looking at right about the ten minute mark now, but I, I just I feel like that had to be said because it just speaks volumes about the character of these guys and what they fucking went through in the game of hockey. You know, especially with Jason. Jason wasn't in the NHL. You know, Renard he made his living in the minors, and to do that, you know, the, they're not making. You know, big bucks, and I know enforcers were typically paid the least out of all people in uh, in hockey. So it's not like he was making seven hundred fifty thousand a year. You know, he was doing it literally for the fucking love of his teammates, and you know, for whoever the the sweater he was playing for. So it's it's really just like I said, it's almost sickening to see how these guys just get overlooked and swept under the rug. But I'll kind of end it there. And I apologize if I got kind of ranty here, but Jason, man, if you're listening, I know you said you've had some guys who are excited to listen and, you know, hear, hear your interview. So I'll kick it over to Jason Renard and thanks man again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. So without further ado, here's Jason. Thanks everybody. All right, and here today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have the very first ever player guest racking up 3,025 pro career penalty minutes, Jason Renard. Jason, how you doing today, man? Uh, excellent, Alec. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, yeah, it, it's an honor to be the first here. Uh, 
a bit of a bit of a virgin at this myself, but be gentle. <laughs> yeah, I don't normally do this on first dates either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh well, man, a lot of a lot of my first dates have uh, yeah, you got right. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I figured uh, it would be good to kind of go through your career a bit and get some stories and hear hear some of the stuff that everybody uh, you just don't hear it no more in today's hockey because you know, like we were talking about before. Everything's kind of gone the way of the dinosaurs, but there's definitely stories out there that should be heard and what players like yourself did for the game of hockey, and it's just gone now, so I think it's going to be good. Sure. I apologize I, I, I apologize if I'm sniffling sniffling a lot. I'm getting over being sick, so I have some uh, got a congestion, so I'm sorry if, I'm, if you hear me sniffling through the mic all the time. Well, no worries, Alec, as long as it's not self-induced, we're all good, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my... Uh, yeah, to, you know, to reflect on one's hockey career, you know, things, things, you know, even our society, Alec, you know, it, it's such a direct relationship with, with how we're parenting, how right. we're coddling now. I mean, I'm super used to it, you know, uh, you know, I have uh, friends from all kinds of backgrounds and, you know, it's funny when, the, you know, I'll, I'll hear my good buddies who, who are fellow tough guys. Uh, you know, bitch and moan about, uh, you know, their kids, uh, you know, on Fortnite or whatever. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, they're the fucking ones parenting them, right? I get a bit of a free pass. I've got a, a, a great woman uh, who is my partner and best friend. And I don't have kids, Alex, so I can kind of fucking say what I want. Yeah, you, just, you don't, you don't <laughs> you got to worry about people judging your kids. You just judge everybody else's. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So more, you know, and it's just it's just going the way of the dodo, right? You know, it's unfortunate. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, that Netflix. Uh, it, what was that called? Ice Guardians. Guardian. I yeah. Oh, Ice of course, Guardians. man. I've I watched mean, I've watched that like fucking Casablanca. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And when when I get you know I get bored or a little down or whatever, that's my that's one of my go-to's on that. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, absolutely. The, the way. Uh, you know, the way the old guard talked about, uh, you know, uh, you know, the way it was, you know, and then you get uh, these interviews from some of the best, most amazing, prolific gold players on earth, and they'll be the first to tell you, you know, their careers might have gone uh, a much different way without a tough guy around, right? Right, exactly, and it was necessary, and it's funny because even with those players coming out and saying, my career could have been different if I didn't have a tough guy on the team or my career might not have lasted longer. You see on hockey Twitter today and they're like, and people would discredit that. And even if you tell them, well, it's, it's been directly quoted from a player saying that their career was better because they had a tough guy. People still, they just ignore it for whatever reason. Absolutely. Less concussions, less launching. You know, the only fucking problem, uh, with the Bertuzzi incident, in my fucking opinion, is Moore did not fucking stand up for himself. Moore yep. wanted to take someone's fucking knees out. That fucking cocksucker was like uh, a fifty thousand uh, dollar a year guy, and he goes after fucking Maslin. They really do that. Now all you have to do is turn around like any man did, and and uh, go after uh, uh, Bertuzzi or take your lumps, whichever. Right? Exactly. Me and uh, me and Fourth yep. Line Voice were just talking about that. Literally, if if he would have just dropped the gloves, probably twice that Stop. night, his fucking his back yep. would have been fine. And it was answering the bell. Well, and he didn't. He didn't answer it, and that's the consequence you pay. 
That's right, and it's unfortunate. No one wants to see a fucking broken neck. Yeah, he did, of course, he, did, yeah, he didn't mean to break his back, of course. Absolutely. No one wants to see that, but, you know, like, <laughs> all, all more had to do was turn around, right? Like, even that, that Claude Lemieux incident. You know, what I love, too, about, you know, getting old uh, players on, and, and, and because what we miss is the game inside the game, the shit that's said. You know, this Claude Lemieux incident, you know, guys didn't want to stick up the clothes in you. They, you know, they were going to him after that uh, incident where he where he hit uh, Draper from behind into the boards, and they said, "Listen, you got to face the consequences of that exactly. decision." You know, I don't want to be, you know, as a tough guy too. You want to stick up for the guys, but you don't want to stick, be sticking up for guys that are doing chicken shit and stuff like that either, right? Exactly. You know, it's like, hey. Yeah, you're going to have to go to center ice and chase the music, and he did it, right? You know, he kind of held on and did his thing, and I think it's kind of washed after that, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, you bet. So, going through your career here, well, the first season you had in Prince Albert, you know, you had 13 games and 17 PIM, but that, mm. next, that next season you had 56 games and 237 PIMs. Like, what a change that is. Did you... Did you kind of adapt well, to that role and realize that that off season, like this is might this might be something I have to do to kind of stick out and make a name for myself, or did did a coach kind of come to you and say, "Hey, if you want to make it, this might be something you might you might have to do." So uh, those are the PA numbers. Yeah. Okay. So we're going back to when it, it kind of originally started. For me, it was uh, you know it was uh, sitting around watching the Battle of Alberta with my father. Right. So it was a big hockey fan to begin with and fan of the tough guys. Right. And so what happened was is, uh, I had ended up, uh, getting called up. There was a backstory there. Me and Trevor's son got into some off ice trouble in Nippawan. I was playing for the Nippawan Hawks. <laughs> I've been talking to him and I'm going to yeah, have him, I'm going to have him on here soon too. I can't wait to hear some yeah, of this. <laughs> yeah. so center was a little bit, he was a little more solidified than I was. And I went with a little bit of baggage, right? Like, Fuck Alec. I used to booze a lot and I used to fight a lot that before like off the ice. Too. Hey, work right? hard, like, play harder, man. <laughs> yeah, I was a small town Brooks, Alberta kind of a deal and uh, you know, uh, lots of uh lots of divorces, lots of oil pots, uh, you know, lots of anger and so we were kinda of raised in that uh, environment. It was a bit of a pressure cooker, eh? So um yeah, when I when I went there, uh it was actually by default. I, I had gotten called up by Prince Albert, but I had gotten released uh, from my team in Nippon with the Hawks, right? And I was, uh, uh, anyway, the incident was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge mess of a deal, but yeah, it was uh, enough for them to say, uh, you know, here's 68 bucks and this will get you home kind of a deal <laughs> on the box. Right. But that, I remember talking to Lee J. Leslie, right? He was one of kind of uh, a leader on the team and, you know, I remember talking to my uncle and, and just people that were important to me. And yeah, there was a conscious effort to try to be, you know, top five uh, heavyweights in the dub at that point, right? You kind of don't know where you're landing. We had a very good team both years, right? Um, you know, when you come into a situation like that, they're going to be, you know, kind of feeling you out. I don't know. You know, as a 17-year-old, you've got to kind of, uh, you know, go after the top dogs and see how you fare. Like, yep. you know, uh, yeah, that was, you know, it was the nature of the beast. And then, and then as soon as they find out you can do it, Alex, that, that is going to become 
a role of Oh, yeah, you kind of get pigeonholed into it a little bit there. Absolutely. It's like that mental switch. As soon as you do it, you got to think to yourself, you know, do I really want to do this? And, well, I mean, looking at your career, clearly you did it. (laughs) Well, you know, and I was exposed to some hard work as a kid, right? And I was thinking, you know, hey, man, this is better than fucking drag lining with my father or pipelining with my uncle, right? You know? Right. You know, uh, uh, a fucking a bad day at the rink is still uh, better than a, a phenomenal day at the office. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. So, well, you go to Tri City the next year, ninety two, ninety three, and you had a uh, you had a teammate I wanted to ask you about here, and that's one Mister Todd Simpson. What was it like playing with him? Simpson was a good guy. You know, Keith. Uh, I got to tell you, we, you know, Simpson was fighting. And, like, I saw him actually at a bar. Uh, I was playing in that Goon League in the LNA. <laughs> I love that fucking yeah. league, man. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I was I was lucky to get out of there with all my fucking fingers and toes. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, I ran into Simpson uh, at a bar. I did having something. He was with the big team. Uh, he was with Montreal at the time. Uh, you know, and we didn't get, kind of get into it. But I, I just congratulated the guy. You know, he was not... You know, it was like Perkins and Rhett Trombley and Retard Renard and, you know, those are the kind of the names. And, and like, uh, Staniforth. Stanny was, Stanny was fucking uh, a killer. Like, I don't know. I've heard some interviews that um, was that kid I fought in Spokane. He did a, the first interview for uh, Fourth Line Voice. I can't fucking remember. Uh, oh, the first, yeah, Josh Mazur? What the? Was it Josh Mazur? Is that who you're talking about? Not major, no, oh, man, I can't ever say it now, but we'll come back to it. But yeah, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, these guys are, these guys are all killers, right? And yeah, I mean, you're talking about the second year, and then going into Tri-Cities, yeah, I mean, fucking chalk full of fucking killers, yeah. Oh, fuck, I mean, <laughs> it's like a dog-eat-dog world, well... Did you uh so well I mean we'll kind of backtrack to your rookie rookie year with uh, Prince Albert. Did you ever play against Toporowski, Kerry Toporowski from yeah, Spokane? I well, did play against Topper. He was Topper in his uh I think he was in his final year. And um yeah, I think I played against Topper maybe twice and you know, those guys with four and seven hundred minutes, fuck I don't know. Those weren't the guys that you're too, too concerned about, right? They were fighting lots, and, you know, and, and but the, the guys that I kind of worried about were like, like the tail hulse, you know, that guy with about a hundred and fucking 50 minutes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at any point would drop left stand right on you know, like, right. yeah, they, you know, it was those guys like Jason Bowen, who was a guy that didn't, you know, he, wasn't, he didn't fight much, but when he did, he seemed to really hurt guys, right? Yeah. Guys that kind of creeped around the 130, 150 minutes. A lot of guys didn't want to bother them, Alex, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, so in 93, you went to the coast. How did you end up over there in the ECHL? And, uh, did you kind of – well, were you, were you talked about in the draft at all for the NHL? No. No, Alec. I was uh, – yeah, like we had a great guy there in Tri-Cities uh, coaching. It's Bob McCammon. He had some affiliates with was Dan Sater there in Edmonton. And, yeah, like, Alex, as far as, uh, you know, I was undrafted, right? I, you know, it's a little bit of a handful in junior, right? It's, you know, we had, as a group of us, right? We were kind of a bit of a handful. So, yeah, I was an undrafted guy. So anything I did, 
Alex, is just through, through, you know, right? Like, you know, if you're going into, say, you know, later on, you're going into Providence, and, you know, some of these these dudes are on one-way tickets, right? So you come in as a guy, you know, that's uh, undrafted, uh, the team has no affiliation with you whatsoever. you got to take someone's job, right? So, yeah, it's got to be an absolutely pretty impressive feeling to do that, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you led you led the yeah. team in PIMS that year when you went to the coast. Yeah, right. um. yeah, yeah. So the coast, the coast uh, was fun. Yeah, like coming out of junior, right? Like I remember Tri Cities; they wouldn't let me. Badger Bob wouldn't let me fucking come to camp, right? They were worried about guys like Damon Lancaster. They were worried about uh, buddies uh, of mine, Terry uh, Ryan, right? He was the number one pick, and so they had. Uh, Young guys coming into camp, and, and they kind of figured maybe that, that uh, you know, I might have been a, a little bit too rough on them or whatever, right? I'm not sure. But, so they, you know, that rookie, that warm-up camp that they have, uh, you know, they get the rookies ready, uh, you know, and this not Tri-Cities. And then, yeah, we kind of got into the, the 20-year-old year in Tri-Cities. And you get to the point where, you know, it's a man fighting boys or whatever, and then, you know, you make this transition to the East Coast League. And, uh, yeah, my, my very first fight there was Moose Morissette. Uh, oh, man, how, how did that go for you? Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> punched holes in me, right? And I, <laughs> I, I fucking sucker punched him, too, off the bat, right? You know, like I was like, I don't know, man, who this guy was. You know, going back to going back to junior, my very first fight in uh, – um, was against Trevor Connors and uh, and I was playing playing with uh, my buddy's team there in Nippon and I mean you know some some fairly significant boys first fights I remember Johnny Baduke going back to uh, I was fifteen or fourteen in Regina's camp and fucking Johnny Baduke punched holes in me too he's like Bernard I he, he says to me in the box I couldn't believe how hard your hands was and he hit me four or five times and then I kind of realized I was in a fight. And I started punching back. But that was one thing about me, Alex. I always had kind of a, a decent chin, right? You know, I could Oh, you, kinda, you, well, you need that in the job you're doing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If you can't take a punch. You know, the, the, the thing about throwing a sweet punch, too, right, Alex? You have to be in the line of fire. You know, if your head's kind of bobbing and moving, you, you know what I mean? And they, Fuck, I don't know. You don't throw that great natural punch where you're you're kind of standing in arm's way in the pocket, right? Yeah. Well, we yeah, thought that, looking at a lot of your footage, man, it seemed like you just had a very wide open style. Like you never, you were never one to kind of grapple and be a little technical. You always seemed a little bit more wide open, and you were able to switch hands too, which is impressive because not yeah, everybody can switch hands. Like I, you, I was meant to ask yeah. you about that. How how did you kind of develop that? Able, ability to switch hands is it something you worked on or did it just come naturally to you well absolutely alec like you know back in junior it was like you kind of you know you, we didn't hide too much right if i was right strong right-handed and you know topper was a lefty right he'd go like dominant left so you know you you kind of always went strong hand or at least i did you I, like i watch whl fights now and those fucking kids are switching hands they're training like mma year oh, round yeah. it's fucking not <laughs> I mean, the way we did it, and I remember having Rytus uh, Evenins as a fucking rookie in uh, Macon, and he's like, you know, Czechoslovakian kid wanted to fucking be a fighter, and I said, Rytus, 
the way I learned how to do it is you fucking just do it, right? Like, I mean, if a guy switches up on you, you better switch hands, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was trial by error. And I remember I remember fighting fucking Moose Morissette and thinking, man, I got to up my game, right? And, and thinking, like, that now you're fighting men, you know? You're kind of in that transition where you're, you're 20 years old, 19, you know, and now you're fighting guys that are established possibly on performance enhancing drugs, right? When I saw fucking Moose Morset uh, with his shirt off, I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. Something extra is being pumped into this dude fucking on. Which, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever it took. Yeah, of course. Well, I was talking about that with fourth line voice, and it was like, you know, if it's in, if it gives you a fucking advantage, why wouldn't you take it? You know, you're you're literally fighting for a job. Absolutely, man. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what we said too. Fuck yeah! Like everyone gets a fanny now. I can have all these fucking pussies out there nowadays. You know, there there are consequences, yes, and. You know, are we going to see CTE issues and all that fucking jive down the road? Possibly. But for now, you know, I don't know. You know, the best job bar down I've ever had in my life, right? Would I do it again? (laughs) Fucking right. Sure. Oh, that's great, man. That's fucking great. Fuck yeah. So... Um, a teammate I wanted to ask you about on Richmond was a uh, one Mr. Ken Blum, who was uh, right below you there in PIMS. He's a beauty. Yeah, Kenny Blum was a good guy. And, like, Richmond, like, fuck, Kenny Blum could play the game, too. It's it just his hands couldn't seem to catch up with his fucking had a beautiful spy guy could play the game. And, yeah, Kenny, like, yeah, as far as, Super heavyweight, I don't know. I think Kenny, Kenny, to me, was more of a gamer, and he could play the game as well. Yeah, like, I don't know, I was fucking to, you know, when I got to uh, 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 Richmond, I was fortunate enough to play with a guy by the name of Guy Phillips, fucking, uh, who just passed away. Yeah, the rough one there, uh, had a brain tumor, but he was one of the better centermen in the fucking league, right? Guy had phenomenal... Uh, uh, that's in junior for the Mestat Tigers. I actually grew up with Kai. And so I had, I had some pretty good numbers. My job was to protect him, right? So, uh, you know, if I made my pass, uh, my first out of my pass, coming down, uh, out of uh, the right wing, you know, we were on our way breaking out. And, you know, it usually turned into a point. <laughs> fucking cheesy thing. So I was fortunate, you know, when we talk about fourth line, fourth line, fuck yeah. I did my stint in junior, but... Fuck, I always wanted to get better, uh, Alec, too. I wanted to play the game. I could full check, uh, you know, like a hit. And, and I always kind of wanted to play the game, right? You know? I mean, you put up decent points throughout your entire career. You, you know, you definitely could play the game as well. You, you weren't you weren't kind of one-dimensional, you know? Yeah, and, and, and what a tough gig, you know, to get fucking put one-dimensional. Like, it's so much nicer being warmed up and being... You know, I I don't know what I could equate it to uh, in the Marines, but fuck, you know, <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like waking up and going fucking to battle. Like your wits are just not about you. You're sitting there on the fucking bench. You're ice cold. Your team hasn't fucking showed up for three fucking periods. You're losing three nothing on the road, and now you got to go spark the little fuckers that won't even go in the corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Bullshit. Bullshit, man. You know, yeah, I always kind of wanted to play, right? So I really do 
uh, have a lot of respect for those guys. And, and you could see it like, you know, getting into later on in my career, I was 28. I think I got called up to Providence and oh, no, didn't want to do it. Like, why be a fucking uh, slave in heaven when you can be a hero in hell? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, the next year you ended up in the old Colonial League, and that's actually the well. I saw some of the Colonial League, but mostly all when it became the UHL. But how did you uh, how did you end up going to Saginaw there in the Colonial League? Fuck, I remember. Uh, so I was uh, uh, Fort Wayne. I had a trial with Fort Wayne, and they signed me. There was like two twenty five gamers. The Franke brothers wouldn't sign me, and finally, we had a guy by the name of Kirk Tomlinson. They called him uh, Tommy Gunn, and this fucker was tough like he was not a big dude but could throw both hands and so tommy was playing there the year before um we ended up trading him to peoria that year and he was he had a fucked up knee and so i remember him and it was probably the best fight of my career alec i had not been signed by fort wayne yet and um i remember him asking me uh at center ice he was playing with peoria and the fans were pumped i mean yeah, I was thinking this is this has got to happen for me to sign, right? And I had fight, fought Barry Patomsky before that. I had fought Herbie Raglan, you know, like these Barry Nykar. These guys weren't dope for the IHL. The thing about the IHL that year, too, uh, interesting enough, is that was during the fucking NHL lockout. So they were not sending fucking their skilled players down to stay in shape, oh, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Ah, we know we know who they're sending down. <laughs> they were sending meat hooks down, though. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So no, I remember fucking uh, you know, and, and uh, Tommy was a good friend of mine, right? And he said, uh, Kirk Thomas had said, "Listen, Jay, let's get you signed up. Have you signed yet?" I said, "No." Well, let's get you signed up. So we fucking squared off, and I don't know, it was about a minute and a half. I remember looking at their bench after, and my eye was cut and shut, and fucking his was shut, and I landed on top of him, right? And like to say, I fucking kicked his ass and fucking knocked him out. But, you know, we just, I just so happened I landed on top. So right. It really looked like that. But, in that, you know, and, and nothing but classy things after the fucking game to say about each other, right? That's why, yeah, and then the Frosties come running down from the fucking, their little penthouse up there and said, okay, grab your shit, go to Saginaw, you you just signed a contract. You know, that was uh, yeah, probably the, ooh, it was the highlight of my career for sure, right? You got that <laughs> barn going in Fort Wayne. They called it the jungle. And fuck, yeah, those songs were, were pretty scary at that time for sure. So, yeah, definitely a great memory. So then, you know, a guy by the name of Jim Ritchie was also in Fort Wayne said, listen, come to Saginaw. Fort Wayne said, well, it's right fucking close. And that was uh, how uh, my my tenure in Saginaw started. Yeah, you bet. Right. So, yeah. Well, you're so on the set down and pulled off that year, right? Uh, you know, the Colonial uh, Hockey League at the time had the likes of Disher. Uh, they had Mel, Mad Mel, Angelstaff. Did you ever, did you ever fight Mel? I never did, you know. And, no, and Mel, oh, man. No, I think going up there, fuck, uh, you know, I would fight Disher twice. And then I'd fight Rammer twice, right? I remember Mel was such a fucking classy dude, right? Like, hey, Jay, he had this fucking high-pitched voice, but you dare not say anything about it. Right. Like, it's hey, almost like a Dave Brown. <laughs> Dave Brown had that really high voice, but he'd back it up. Uh, fuck. <laughs> fuck, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember asking me one time. He said, hey, hey Nanny, uh, do you want to go? You know, just a cordial, nice guy. Right. 
the thing about the thing I hated about Mel is those guys. He's one of those guys that would fight for three minutes, right? Oh, you yeah. You know, and it, there's a little difference. Like, if, if I look at some of my fights, or even those YouTube shits, like that fucking brawl jumped me from the bench, you know, because I was going at it with the coaches, right? All the little backstories is what I love, too, right? You know, that fight with LaChance, well, that was the end of the shift, right? Those fucking Radio X just hated me because that blue end. I used to play with Sylvain Bluan, and I'd beat him about his brother and fucking, well, you know, the some of the frog words would come out and, you know, just that good old fucking, uh, you know, story inside the story. Right. We talk about that on-ice shit that no one knows about. Yeah. That's where the game really is, Alec, right? Like, oh, yeah. You that's know, a, that's all, what all a lot of fans don't see. Chirps and, yeah, all the chirps. I mean, man... You know, and, and like some, you know, your blood gets boiling and nothing's off the fucking table. It never was for, with me anyways, right? You know, and then like, fuck, you go and see the guy in the bar. Like, fuck, I remember sitting down with Link Gates, man. The guy was double fisting O'Doul's at the time, right? But I don't, I don't think, uh, I think Schultz, uh, Schultz, uh, David Hammer Schultz was his fucking coach. Oh, out there in Madison for the monsters, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, well, he had him on the fucking, uh, he had him on the diet of, uh, O'Doul's there for a while, but yeah, like you go and fucking hammerheads with fucking during the game, and you see the guy at the bar, and you know it just never was issues, right? Hey man, we're all just trying to do a job, trying to get some fans in here so we can fucking generate some yeah, fucking revenue, get, get right? some fans, yeah. make a paycheck, and go home. That's right. That's right. Did you ever fight Link while you were in the Colonial League? No, Link. Fuck man, I remember it was hyped up. We were on a. a <laughs> at the end of a fucking eight games in eight eight nights, they had those. Oh, that's rough. In that fucking league was brutal. And we showed up in Madison at the parking lot and fucking one thirty in the afternoon, where our game was at two thirty. I shit you not. So we had this stuff that was called Ultimate Orange, and fucking guys, well, you mix it in your drink, and fucking away you go. And, and for some reason, it. it it took that day, and we felt great. We ended up winning the game. Um, but, but Lincoln ran into with Richie Walcott the night before, and Richie had fucking closed his eye up real nice. So fucking Link didn't come near me that day. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't look too hard either, right? What I wanted to do, Alec, as a fucking player is hit or be hit, right? Like, I wanted to... Whether I was on the road or not, I didn't fucking care. You know, on the chance of recharging hard, perfect. Let's give these fuckers what they're asking for, right? Yep. Yeah, like, and I wanted to, like, that's how I kind of got over that fear and anxiety. It's just go out and lay a hit or fucking rub someone the wrong way or, or, you know, let's get into this game right away. You know, there's nothing worse than fucking trying to go through the motions or a good attack and then someone's knee hits you and you're fucking Charlie Horse. Like, you know, it was that old adage, if you can you're not going 110%, you're going to get fucked. Exactly. You know, I was kind of, yeah, I just kind of wanted to do that. <laughs> when I played, I just wanted to get the fucking game started. So, yeah. you end up in Johnstown, and a person I wanted to ask you that's on that team, I have a buddy who's a huge fan of his, is Brandon Christian. Did you ever have any run-ins with him? Because uh, I know I he, did. I think he got traded, or something like that. Yeah. Brandon Christian, I didn't run into him. You're talking about that big kid. He's got that weird ponytail. And the skullet. Yeah, the old skullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fuck over, right? You know, hey, man, I, I have 
genuine love for everybody. I really do these days. But yeah, that fucking thing, I never got that. But Christian, I never did, right? Like, and I think he was there in the LNAH when, when I first just landed, right? You know, I was winding down my career, but Christian, I, I never did. It was guys like Bajerni, right? Bajerni was probably the strongest guy that I've ever fought, right? Like, he just had this natural fucking bear strength. And I think Christian, those guys, a lot of those guys were along the same, right? And then you start getting later into their careers, and people fight differently, right? You know, that's why I, I can always respect Boss A, I can always respect fucking uh, nasty. Like nasty fought a big man's game wide open. Like, oh God, I don't know. I lo- I'm a huge Alex, nasty fan. Alex, How he I was fought there live. <laughs> oh. Like I was there live, and you can hear the punches. You can hear these guys. That funny sound. That that wicked sound. That that punch makes when it's hitting flesh. And him and Bossy would just stand there and fucking click, clack, click. It was nuts. Th- that those. Yeah. Well, me and me and Darren over at the fourth line voice were talking, and that probably has to be the most like brutal hockey fights out there. That the one of them I, I, where I, would, I think it was like round yeah. four, and they by the end of it they were both bleeding and just screaming at each other, and then they like go their separate ways. That's probably my favorite hockey fight of all time. It is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you know, I've always uh, I said that like. You know, my career was winding down. Not to get—I know you got to—you want to do a segment just on LNAH, but my career was winding down. And I like—I remember walking in the dressing room, and I took a look at these fuckers with their shirts off. Right, and I'm like, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> and I did not—I didn't—I didn't—I didn't start uh, throwing gas into my arm until I was 32 or 31, right? To, to, I had to. Yeah, you got to. You got to. You're just trying to, you know, absolutely. outlast them. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I was trying to stretch a single into a double there, right? Like right. really trying to stretch <laughs> my career. And and these guys were prepared and they did it night in and night out. They got paid and we you know, the thing about the L N A H is sure it might have been run by H A or fucking whatever. Those are all fucking a little bit of fairy tales too, right? But what but these guys always fucking paid on time and they always paid in cash. Like who doesn't want a fucking <laughs> job? You can't, like can't that, ask for much though? more than that, eh? <laughs> yeah, right. No, you know, and uh, it, it was what it was, right? Like the the fucking tough guys got paid better than the goal scorers, right? It was oh, the yeah. opposite of actually. Yeah, it's it 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 actually. It was a fight yeah, first, actually, hockey yeah, second kind of league. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it actually made sense to me, right? Like <laughs> yeah, these guys are doing the motherfucking heavy lifting. But you know, we had. Don't get me wrong. We had Stefan Richer, you know, and, late, and these guys are later on in their career. And that, you know, I remember Lambert telling you that story about Richer. Well, fuck, we had to let Richer go. He was scared for his fucking life in that league, right? Like, <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Fucking, no, no, no. You, you had to, like, you had to really be. I mean, because not only. If you're not involved in the shit, you're witnessing it, right? Imagine being a goal scorer and fucking witnessing. Oh some of yeah, this I'd be stuff shitting that. myself. Well, just, yeah, just alone. Well, when we get to it, just the rosters. Even your first stint in O2 yeah. with Laval was stupid. The, the fucking oh, people yeah. that they had. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember looking around the room and being like, "Holy fuck, this is this is my team." I wonder what the other teams look like. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. 
Well, another person I wanted to ask you uh, or ask you about, excuse me, while you were in Johnstown was uh, Billy Tibbetts. What was he like, man? Billy Tibbetts was an awesome guy, East Coast guy, crazier than Rob Piss, right? Uh, fuck yeah, he, and, but just a loyal guy, you know. He, well, guys like this, uh, Billy Tibbetts, um, uh, Ryan Concanon, right? And the, I'm not talking; these are tough guys. I'm talking; they were just characters. Character guys, you really wanted around, you really wanted on your fucking team. Billy Tibbetts was one of those guys, right? Fight anybody, anywhere. Yeah, good Eastern boy. Fuck So, <laughs> um, looking at your stats here, man, when you went to Port, uh, Port Huron and you had, I mean, you put up 28 points, 85 PIMS, 12 points, 132 PIMS. It still seemed like you were kind of that two-dimensional player you weren't just there specifically to fight but when it came to it you were down for it fuck yeah like alec i kind of prided myself in that right you know i don't know i what i wanted to do in junior two is is um I wanted to watch the better players, right? I wanted to become a better player. I wanted a little bit more ice time, right? Like we, when we talk about getting pigeonholed, like you talk about the king, uh, say at the national hockey league level, uh, you know, Probert could do it all, right? Depending on fucking the thing about Probert and Clark, like why would they even fuck with Grimson? Why would Grimson getting fucking two shifts a game? Probert can play the game all game be a presence on the ice and fucking intimidate guys just by fucking saying boo to the goalie, right? Yet he fucking took on all comers, right? That's what impressed me, right? It's like, man, do I really need to deal with this motherfucker who's getting a second shift of the fucking month? Right? <laughs> yeah, and then Clark did the same. Like, those guys could play and they did it, right? And, you know, they never fucking made any rules or fucking timing or none of that was, like, timing and fighting and, you know, all this, you kind of went the way of choreographed there for a little while. They each had to take their fucking helmets off to get around these helmet rules. Right. All that silliness, yeah. So going back to those days, yeah, like, like if I could, if I could play on the first or second line, I remember fucking getting, uh, you know, signing a, a deal with uh, uh, Branson Smoke. They had the best player uh, I've ever witnessed or played with uh, a guy by the name of Paul Palillo. Now, Bradford is Gretzky's hometown. Paul Palillo used to wear number nine, and fuck, they played the same way. I'm not kidding you. 185 points in the fucking colonel or something stupid, and that was my fucking sentiment, and we tried to make a run for it. We ran into the Flint Generals. Yeah, and then Flint was a fucking powerhouse back then in the colonel. Right. Uh, yeah, we just couldn't get past them. Then they were tough, too, like Kevin Kerr, one of my, like, just this kid that you fucking oh, hate. Kevin Kerr's a fucking legend, too. He can fucking throw left hands. I fought him a couple times, right? And the oh, guy how'd they go for play. you? Yeah, the guy could play and fight. Like, just love, I love that fucking player. I, I chased him around the ring, but love him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did your fights with him go? Good, yeah. Like the first one, we had a bit of a brawl there. That was my first day in town, and fucking the hype was... Uh, so this happened in warm-up, right? There was something happening in warm-up, and so I just grabbed Kersey and fucking cut us, gave him about four or five shots, and nothing 
you know, probably because I was just getting sent down from the international hockey league right at that point and fighting very well in the eye, right? Like, but you know, those Frankies just signing those twenty five games to keep you, you know, didn't want to find me. I signed a contract there halfway through that season with Saginaw my first year, but yeah. Just, just biting at the chance to fucking sign in the, in the U-Haul or in the uh, uh, IHL, right? Yeah. So I was fighting, fighting really uh, well in Saginaw for sure. <laughs> well, the next year you end up in uh, <laughs> you end up in Saginaw again, and yeah. you had a guy on your team by the name of DJ Conte. How was he? Oh, I love. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned DJ Conte. Fuck he, he used to call him Sloth. He looks just like Sloth from the Goonies. No. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a starting, starting fucking all-ugly team starting lineup, right defense. This guy had a heart of gold. Like, uh, one of my best friends uh, in hockey, actually. Guys like Sean Yakamishan, I got to play with him. Fucking legendary, tough, small fight, anybody. So much respect for this guy. DJ, I remember fighting, uh, I was center fighting DJ, and center was a buddy of mine, I played junior with him, and center had gotten the best of DJ, but DJ was cut, like, DJ would go into the fucking partition, those old partitions, and come out with seven stitches on his nose, like, just a fucking rugged dude, fight anybody, might, uh, Gratidaria, same thing, in Saginaw, right, fight anybody, um, but yeah, I, DJ was a fucking all-heart guy, his kids doing great. I see him on Facebook. Yeah, DJ is a fucking legend. Now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so after Brantford, you end up. Well, before we get that, I, I do have a question to ask you, and I, I gotta oh, yeah, know how. Anything. This, I gotta know how this Don't happened. Yep, yep. So, how in the world did you end up with the nickname of Retard Renard? Backstory. I mean, it kind of rhymes to begin with, Alex. Right. And then, you know, you'd have to look at someone's behavior on the ice, and if it kind of fucking lines up, you know. I remember playing uh, against Clayton Morris. It was that seventeen-year-old year in in uh, Prince Albert, and I ended up, ended up running their fucking goalie. I didn't, hadn't got played, and so I'm from Brooks, Alberta, which is fucking thirty minutes up the road from Medicine Hat. Prince Albert playing in Medicine Hat two nights in a row. So I run their fucking goalie first night. You know, I get the, you know, my, all my peeps were in the house, I guess, right? It was just being a fucking idiot. Right. And so the, the building behind me, my family's in the stands, right? My friends from Brooks are all up. And so I fight uh, Chucky Norris at center ice, Clayton Norris, uh, after the goalie incident. I come back and fucking get out of the bench, and the, the fucking fans behind me are chanting, retard. And I'm deep, and I'm going back and forth, and my coach is yelling at me, who's the fucking fans going? So the next day, um, I talked to the trainer. I'm thinking, well, fuck, I got to come up with something. I got to get a whole section of fans. So I took a fucking tub of Vaseline. I got to the rink, like, fucking two hours early, and Vaseline, like, 
probably 150 seats in that building, right? Like all right behind our band that went on about two inches of basketball. And we all sucked and those fans weren't on me the next game. Was. So I think that's kind of where we charged in art was, would have been the birthplace of, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I got the fucking fans back. It's, you know, it's just one of those great stories. Where, right. Yeah. Well, you go into someone's building and, yeah. It's funny because I, you know, I was born in 96, so my knowledge on hockey fights pretty much prior to 2000 or enforcers is limited to pretty much everything on the internet. So yeah, I talked to uh, other fight fans on Twitter, like, you know, Fourth Line Voice and, you know, The Biscuit and other people. And, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, fucking here I am sniffling again. But, um, <laughs> so... I was talking to him about you one day, and he mentions he's like, "Oh yeah, retard Renard," and I'm like, what? "I'm like what?" <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. I, funny enough, oh, yeah. you end up you end up joining the group on Facebook, and it's fun. I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, <laughs> "I'm sorry, I'm laughing," but I, I, I had to message him. I had to message him, and I was like, "Dude." I was like, I just accepted Jason Renard. I'm like, fucking retard Renard. Not <laughs> perfect. Fucking uh, right. Well, it's because, you know, it's nothing against you, of course. I just, the name was just so fucking funny to me. And I was oh, like, yeah. it's fucking retard Renard. I was like, that's too fucking funny. And so when you <laughs> when you reached out to me, I had to, I had to see, um, you know, when I had you on here, I had to see how that. That nickname came about, and fuck, that's hilarious, sure. man. Oh, shit, sorry. Sure, I got, yeah. fuck, got tears running down my, <laughs> my damn face right now. Oh, shit. All good, brother. Yeah, you know, and I was, I was, I would just give them what they wanted, right? Right, yeah. well, and that was the thing when, with the whole nickname post on the uh, in the group there, and you came out and oh, said, okay. retard Renard anyone. I, I was at work, and I about spit out my fucking drink <laughs> right then and there. <laughs> I was about oh, dying. And you didn't notice, like, my good friend, uh, it was all over that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and of course. The, uh, the, the best nickname and by far the most accurate. So, yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Brad. Yeah, Brad's a good friend of mine, actually. I, I got to touch base with Brad. Dean Mayrand, a best friend. You know, a nasty, a best friend. Yeah, like, uh, you know, these guys... Man. You know, when you reflect back, it's like it's it's too bad you couldn't have every one of them at your wedding at least one point in your life. You know, right? But yeah, it's cool to see that y'all are still you know together or not together, but you know ah, what I'm saying. Like you still keep in touch and you just kind of give each other shit because that's like what I miss about the military is you don't miss really like you probably mm. don't miss the hockey too too much or anything, but you just miss the fucking boys, mm. you know? Absolutely, yeah. You know, when you, and, and like try to recreate that now, you know, like I build custom homes now. Like these guys hang out with a lot of these fuckers. It's the, you know, the last bricks on it. And that's okay, right? But yeah, like just that camaraderie and, you know, you get to learn so much about their lives and, you know, everyone gets, uh, you know, gives social media a hard time and that shit. I, I can reframe that in my mind. Like I get to see, uh, you know, gratitude. I get to see fucking Mel fucking around on his wakeboard there. Oh, you yeah. Know, the whole lot. <laughs> fucking I beauty. Mean, this is great stuff. Ah, you know, like, for me, it's great stuff, right? You know, not to reminisce, you know, I know these are the, the good old days. And, you know, I was just, you know, I have feelings about reminiscing. Or, you know, do you, you, you miss it for sure. But, you know, just to have a, 
those memories and have that gratitude and be able to keep in touch with these guys, see their kids grow, you know, uh, important thing for me too, you know, like these guys are just making such great parents too. I see, you know, a lot of them are fucking uh, huge in the hockey and the girls are playing volleyball, right? Uh, you know, I just see a, a trend of all these old tough guys. You know, the kids are pretty fucking successful, Alec. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You see uh, you see Mike Scroy on there. Uh, you know, he's doing his, like, uh-huh. camp. Well, it's funny because I didn't even know he was still in Orlando, but he's, you know, that's like an hour and a half away from where I live here in Tampa. And he's out there doing all yeah. sorts of stuff for, you know, the youth hockey programs and youth, uh, like, Absolutely. Uh, combat sports, like MMA and everything like that. And it's, it's just, it's fucking awesome. And then you got Mayrand, uh-huh. who just recently opened up his boxing gym. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to me, you know, I, I don't know. I was always uh, told by my father the biggest gift you can give is, is is maybe passing on a little knowledge of what you've learned. You know, whether it's hockey, whether it's fighting, whether it's self defense. You know, these guys are passing this stuff on. And yeah, I, I, I'm not sure uh, anyone can get closer to the idea of God or these, uh, uh, you know, being spiritually connected. But to me, that fills the bill, right? I see, you know, Davy Ivans is out there. We got coaches, uh, you know, uh, they're they're doing all kinds of stuff. And Paul Vincent's uh, out in Europe doing all kinds of stuff with kids, uh, you know, important stuff. You know, these old school guys carrying it on, carrying it along. You know, it's it's just amazing to see for me, Alec. You bet. Yeah, it's it's definitely fucking cool, man. It's 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 almost kind of hard to transition a little bit after hockey. Because that's all you know, and to see these guys kind of being successful and doing everything like that—it's—it's it's really good, man. Absolutely, Alex. You know, like fuck, I and like honest to these guys, some of these guys holding on to their career, like the animal Joel Terrio. How in the fuck? Oh fuck! Know, I have no clue how he lasted that for, long. For for me, for me, it's sad. Right? Like I, I just would not want to be doing that. I, I, hopefully I would have morphed into something else by 45, just knowing the stresses and the, you know, like this is, this can be glorified, Alec, but honest to God, it's a fucking tough job, but, you know, like, Oh, absolutely. It's the toughest job in sports. The, hands down. At, fuck yeah. You're looking at the lineup the night before. I mean, I remember fucking guys getting the flu going on the way in the colonial league on the bus on the way up fucking Thunder Bay. I mean, Thunder Bay was not a fucking night off. By oh, fuck time. no, it was not. <laughs> it had, like, you know, Mel Engelstad and Kevin Holiday up there. Like, Jesus Christ, it was fucking animals. And then, you know, and then yeah, the thing is, is, if you're going up there, it was so fucking far away. You played two games in three nights and then came home, right? Yep. Oh, fuck yeah. Did you yeah. ever have, uh, yeah. you know, kind of that that anxiety the night before a game? You kind of like, was it was it hard sleeping the night before? Absolutely, Alec. Yeah. You know what? Like, you know, the truth of it, Alec, I'm, I don't drink anymore. But but I, I think I used to fucking, you know, you know, it's win or lose, we hit the booze, right? And I remember thinking about the lineup, and, and that was part of the deal, right? Like, you, you kind of go out and you get that buzz on so you could get some fucking rest, right? Oh, yeah, you I gotta get the edge off when you're able to go to sleep easier, man. I still yeah. fucking do it. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. And then and then, at the, and then we were happy the fight was over, you'd celebrate with what? News, you know, fuck, man. It's it got to be quite the cycle for me uh, as an individual anyways. But, yeah, I know, uh, yeah, not an easy job. You know, like, it's, 
like we say, we're kind of we're going back and we're glorifying a bit. But if if I had a son and he came to me, Alec, and, and said, you know, Don, I want to be a tough guy, I'd be like, oh fuck, man, go grab your stick. We're gonna teach you how to shoot the box. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's got to be a better fucking way to make a living. Right? And then some guys got it in them. You know, you know when they're talking well, about exactly like that, like Terrio. Yeah. It just seems like they they just l- genuinely fucking loved it. And the guys that loved it, those were the ones who were fucking scary. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, like uh, that's another level, right? It's a, you know, like the risk. You know, no one wants to be knocked out in front of ten thousand people, right. family and friends, and like the, the risk, the risk reward is high, fuck, right? It's a, you know, and there's, you know, and I've tr- I've tried to get fucking uh, higher, and there's no, there's no natural buzz like that, like finishing someone off at center ice and fucking the fans going nuts and chanting your name. I mean, it's fucking. There's, there's, you know, there's good and there's bad. Fuck, they did flip side everything for sure. You got. Exactly. So, aside from like you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the sleeping and everything like that, um, going into a game, did you have any like, I guess pregame ritual or something that would kind of hype you up? <clears throat> Jesus fuck, sorry, <laughs> still fucking sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, did you ever, I don't know, like listen to music or anything like that to just get you fucking absolutely amped before a game? Well, yeah, like I remember for me. Uh, the ritual would start in the morning, you know, you'd get up and you'd have your, your pregame skate and you kind of go out for a float around and fucking, you know, depending on how a guy felt or how many, you know, games in a row you were playing, it's kind of the effort you put into the pregame skate, right? Just a nice, and then coming back to the pregame nap, yeah, it was like a, a one, for me, a one to three thing. And then I was, I was usually always first to play, uh, right? And it was, I remember in junior, fucking Jason Boner would come over and fucking we'd drink coffee, right? We'd get this, we'd get this personalized coffee machine and uh, that my Bella's had would just be fucking getting lit up on coffee at ACDC, <laughs> right? And I had this little thing in junior, fucking David Langhoff would make me uh, dance around like that fucking guitarist there with ACDC. Oh, yeah. Just get the boy. Oh, I would get the boys giggling, you know. I'd have nothing but a mini stick in my balls hanging out to the <laughs> Fuck yeah, just to light the boys up, right? Okay, man. You know, we're, we're in one tonight or whatever. Like, let's just loosen up and have some fun, right? right. You know, and then that, like anything, anything to do with, uh, you know, uh, trying to get the guys a little bit more relaxed, uh, you know, just before going on the ice. You know, and I was that old addict, like, get a good four check, just a good simple dump, and let's get a hit. You know, either either hit or do hit, say, right? Get it the game. But yeah, I was, yeah, it was like old school ACDC and coffee. You know, we used to fucking hand out uh, that stuff at Ultimate Orange. I think it had epidrin in it back in the day. And then, like, down in the States, <laughs> they had those pills called Truckers Love It. You remember those fucking epidrin pills? They'd sell those fucking things at every gas station. I mean, I don't know, but we'd be having those things in pseudo ephedrine like skin. <laughs> yeah, man. It was getting yeah. fucking amped. Never, That's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're running into fucking eight games and nine nights or whatever. Yeah, that's fucking that's rough. That was rough, yeah. You Does know, you ever I, have any crazy, uh, like, 
Well, because you're in the minors, so you're going everywhere with a bus. Did you ever have any crazy bus incidents? Buses breaking down or some bullshit happening? No. I oh, you got lucky. Like, yeah, man. Like I, I remember in playing junior B in Brooks. We we were uh, we faked actually uh, an oil pan incident and went to the strip joint in Leftwich, Alberta, <laughs> because our last our last fucking game was against Kainai Golden Chiefs, and we were both out of the playoffs. You know? Our coach, Brad Fox, at the time was like, fuck that. We had some young guys. Like, I was 16. Uh, Jeff Hill was 16. Brian Rose was 16. And so we had some young guys and, and, yeah, some parents. So anyways, the fucking uh, boss ended up breaking down for real. We had to come clean that night. Some of the parents came and got their kids off the bus after the strippers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was about the only bus incident. I remember playing in, in Macon, Georgia as well, and fucking, we had a, we had a, a short uh, black dude was uh, our coach, right? We called him George Jefferson. He was a funny little fucker. And was he a good coach? And man, we were down in Alabama, and fuck, if he, uh, he got mistaken for the bus driver, well, holy fuck, he lost his mind. Well, he went down to, you know, and they gave him the bus driver keys. They tell you he was a bus driver. This guy was an educated man. So, yeah, we had to kind of fucking break him up. Uh, he wanted to go after the fucking uh, receptionist there oh, at the shit. Holiday Inn down in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, even the coaches were, were a little bit eclectic, too, you know. Like, oh, of course, man. Place. There was all the minor league like, coach antics and shit. Absolutely. Fucking great. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So even you even had some fucking beauty coaches along the way, for sure. <laughs> that's awesome man um so part of me we'll get back to your career in a sec sorry i'm getting all fucking sidetracked now i'm just thinking of a bunch of questions I'm just, like i said we're gonna we're gonna wing this so now i'm thinking of everything and i wrote some no shit worries, down <laughs> um no so i'm a little bit of a jersey nerd i collect a bunch of game worn jerseys from different leagues and shit like that did you ever do any mods to your jerseys like i don't know an extra fight strap or shortened sleeves or anything like that I never did, you know, I think, uh, yeah, man, like, that extra fucking uh, sleeve stuff, I just never felt comfortable even, like, my thing is, is I kind of wanted, I didn't think it was that much of an advantage, right, to to really, you know, yeah. make my arm way bigger, and I, I honestly fucking didn't like the way it looked out, right, like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fucking goaltender, right? Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. So I never fucking modified any of my jerseys. Yeah, no. I, I remember, in like, you know, I'm, early on my career, they didn't, they never used to fucking penalize you for for not tying down. So I used to draw braid a bit, right? And I thought, <laughs> yep. hey, the Piper one. We had these throwback jerseys in Saginaw, Michigan, buddy, and we were sweating so fucking bad. It was really hot. I remember, and it was my second fight of the night, and I fought a guy by the name of Jason Rowland. And I went to swim out of my jersey and my fucking lap was sweating so bad that that throwback jersey caught my lap. And I, as I was swimming out of it, he pulled down and my my forehead hit the ice with such a fucking vengeance. But the boys thought I was dead. They could hear it up top, eh? Oh. I remember the boys, oh, yeah, like that song, day, And then... Geez, it wasn't bleeding. I couldn't figure it out. Then I got, by the time I got back and saw it in the mirror, I could see my 
school and then it started bleeding, right? Yeah, so it took a while. It was kind of hit the ice so hard that it was cauterized uh, on my bone and then fuck yeah, I just took a minute for that but there were two and yeah, that was Jesus was Christ. That's fucking yeah, rough, man. bud. Yeah, man. Yeah, she's a fucking rough one. Not much I could do. Yeah, just as soon as I went over that teetering point, yeah, was my fucking head was not. Well, continuing your career here, man, you end up in the CHL with probably the best fucking name for a team I've ever heard. Well, besides probably the Danbury Trashers, but the old CHL, the Macon Whoopie. Yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah. you had your probably your your best year as far as pims and points. So how, how did yeah, that kind of well? How did that come about with you getting to Macon, and kind of how did the season go for you? Why was it so good? Okay, okay. Well, I had. Um... I had a guy by the name of Sid Yearwitz. He picked me up. Uh, he was an agent, uh, Psycho Sid there, and he was fucking floating around Brantford, and he picked me up, and I, and I had kind of a good uh, moment with Brantford. Like I was said, I was playing with Paul Palillo, and if you look at those Brantford stats, I had like 12, games, uh, 12 goals in 13 games or something like that. Like this guy was putting it on my stick. I was on the first line uh, and had to really – reinvent my game a bit and get into better shape because I was playing so many fucking minutes, right? And so my job was to protect uh, Ronnie Hoover, who played in the National Hockey League, and Paul Pirillo. Um And so yeah, I, I ended up fucking signing a decent deal. And my, my job was to look after Jocelyn Langlois. He was a centerman down there in Macon, Georgia. And, you know, they paid me a decent amount. I think I was making 1100 or 1200 at the time. Uh, and so I signed a decent deal there. And what they would do is pay me 700 on the books. And then the fucking booster club would do the 50, 50, right? And that's 500 cash. Or whatever. So, yeah. so I signed an, a decent deal, right? Yeah. I just had some, and then, of course, uh, yeah, so I think what you're getting to <laughs> is my lifetime suspension from the league. Now, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so there was an incident. There was a guy, I like to say, uh, there was a guy by the name of, uh, oh, fuck, uh, what was his name? It was uh, Kevin Kerr's line mate. Anyways, oh, uh, Grillis, Chad Grillis. Oh, fuck, this guy, uh, you know, long, super long neck, could play the game. Uh, we could never fight you, kind of dump you a little bit, right? Like, this is one of those guys. And right. So they were winning, and my dad stands and fucking we were out we with 30 seconds left in the game and and this is the only thing i've really done in my career that i've really regretted uh, you know i'll have to fucking try to facebook chat or something and, and make an amends but yeah i jumped up on my stick and went for his neck while he was down and fuck it was bad and so me and uh me and uh kerr ended up fighting after that and that was the end of the that was the end of that and so the, the backstory behind that is I had a conversation uh, with the commissioner of the league um, at the time, and he just didn't want me to go south. I wanted to go south, and he wanted to hold me in the league. You know, it was pretty good. That was a pretty good draw at the time uh, in that league, right? And so we had this argument back and forth, and so that was kind of my exit. I did something really silly, and, and 
and uh, Richard Grossell obliged me by kicking me out of the league forever. Yeah, <laughs> and it was kind of deserved, right? It was a chicken shit fucking deal, right? Uh, not proud of that at all. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Hey, man. It's but, yeah. Well, people don't understand uh, yeah. when when players make kind of decisions like that and everybody remembers, you know, kind of McSorley and shit like that. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going for the puck. <laughs> right. Well, people don't understand. Right. Like the, it, like you, like we've talked about prior on this podcast <laughs> is the game within the game and then how much fucking adrenaline you have as a pro athlete oh. while all that's happening. So it, people say, oh, it's stupid. I'm like, you don't understand if you're in, unless you're in their shoes. Absolutely not. Like, that's the game inside the game. No one knows what's said. Over time, over a year, over two years, that motherfucker, like, I got... I also uh, received, like, I think one of the largest suspensions in the in the LNAH. There's a brawl that uh, happened. I'll have to send it to you. I don't, I'm not sure you've seen it yet, but oh, it's a parental it advisor. <laughs> What's that? I said, please send it to me. <laughs> okay, I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's a brawl there, and it was uh, my roommate and I, and, and Dean came on the ice at one point. I went into the other team's bench. Yeah, it was a fucking nasty one. And, like, Donald Brashear fucking knocked a kid out and then sat on him and fucking hit him three more times. You know, the kid was trying to make a name for himself. And, anyway, his brass fucking, like, sat on this kid and hit him twice more. Just sick shit, right? And he got 13 games. I ended up getting 15 games. How the fuck that happened is beyond me. But, yeah, it was, uh, anyways. But, yeah, where were we? <laughs> um well let's see here well, you got you got the next few or the next year out there in bakersfield out there in the west coast well, hockey league how did you end yeah, up all the way out there in the coast uh that was good yeah i kind of put put my career uh in his hands you know it kind right. of took the guesswork out. he only charged me five or six hundred bucks uh you know for the year I and mean, i think he had maybe 20 30 guys right but trying to make a name for himself for sure like like everyone right you know everyone was like beaker league status you know everyone was trying to move up the coaches the fucking agents and us right mm-hmm. but uh yeah so i ended up going uh I, w- I was on a bit of a holdout. Uh, I wanted the same amount of money in making uh, the next year, and they wanted to pay me 800 and I was kind of holding out. I had a girlfriend at the time there. So I ended up uh, giving power of attorney, I guess, to uh, my agent. My agent signed me, and I didn't know that could happen. So I kind of went, went there begrudgingly a little bit. Kevin McDonald was the coach. Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, Kevin and I really didn't see eye to eye too many things, but I was playing some good hockey there, right? And I remember, uh, I remember Kevin phoning me the next year, right? And you know, we all—I guess we all used to drink and we all used to kind of party. And, and Kevin, I remember him asking me. He said, "Jason, uh, we really want you to come back to Bakersfield this year, but we want you to go to rehab." And I said, "Listen, Kevin, if you come to rehab with me, I'll sign." <laughs> Fuck the hell, the fucking <laughs> Well, there was an incident at the bar, and fuck, I couldn't get the keys to his Harley out of his fucking hand, and the fuck, he tried to fight me, and holy fuck. And I'm not saying I'm innocent and all this for sure, but uh, yeah, it ended up, he ended up getting a tape, and I was fucking himself for coming on that fucking Harley. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that, that, my career came to an end, but that was, yeah, uh, we had Willett, uh, we had Curry Dog, Curry was there, 
and we had a good team. And then Rep Trombley, yeah, there's uh, backstage with Rep Trombley too. You know, I walk in and fucking it's like I see Red. I had a good fight against him in junior, and you know we've got it documented. I beat him, right? And then, yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. How was Red Trombley? Red Trombley, and he's an excellent friend now, right? He lives in Estevan. I see his kids growing up. Uh, I've ran into him a couple times in the Oil Patch, and in you know at uh, at fighting events uh, in Estevan. And yeah, Red's an excellent friend, and we became good friends in Bakersfield, right? Like uh, you walk in, and you're like, oh fuck. You know, like I, Rhett and I got into it off the ice. I don't know if you remember when those satin shirts were cool. We had satin button button up shirts, and I had this nice shirt. Fuck the beer party in Victoria, and Rhett was playing on the island at the time in the WHL, and fucking, you know, he great grabbed shirt with his little fingers and ripped my buttons. Well, I ended up knocking him out twice. Uh, yeah, like right on the pier, fucking right on the dock there. <laughs> uh, this is off-ice stuff, right? And, and so, uh, fuck, we had that little tip there, and sure enough, I walk into the dressing room, he's the first guy I meet in my way, dude, you know, uh, bygones, he's like, let's not worry about the past. You, know? you never know, right? I had the same thing with Craig Martin, right? You know, Marty and I used to go at it, and fuck, I walk in there, to the, to the chief's dressing room and fucking Marty's the first guy I see and you have these little moments where yeah you've said some shit and you maybe you know sucker punch here or there and it all just gets washed away the first game you stick up for each other right yeah, exactly like, yeah man I, I got I got <laughs> your back now right like you know <laughs> so the very next year you end up in Monroe uh, in the WPHL and again you you lead the team in PIMS with 308 and you still put up 20 points. How did that how did that go about when you ended up in the uh in the old Western Professional League? Yeah, yeah, went to the Whipple. Um yeah, I had some phenomenal teammates there as well. Nordstrom was a tough guy. I mean, between me and Nordy, that league uh, really couldn't handle us. Uh, you know, we had a pretty good team, pretty tough team and uh a coach by the name of uh, uh Brian Curran. Uh, National Hockey League, right? Fighter. Yep. Uh, Pure Dog was actually our coach, uh, and we had a decent year there. Um, I ended up getting uh, called up that year to Providence, I do believe. Yep, out you of, sure uh, did. Yeah, uh, for a cup of coffee. And, hey, you had, a fucking, <laughs> yeah, you had one point. Yeah. That's one more point than I'll ever fucking get in the AHL. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that point, too. Pete Vandermeer was playing left side. And I, just I was going to ask it. you how Vandermeer was. <laughs> Vladimir was a class guy, right? Like, he was my roommate on the road, took me under his wing a bit. The thing about going up at that age is, you know, it's like sitting there, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a couple of stories about the age, too. But, um, yeah, like, it was, uh, I had a good year, and, and Kurdog got me pulled up there. And then when I got there, you know, the, my, my, you know, reputation as a partier had kind of preceded me. So the idea was to treat me like a rookie, right? I was 28, I think, or something, and, and stacking the bus. And I'd kind of done all that. I had done all that, man, you know. And so I had a little bit of a resentment, uh, you know. And then you're sitting on the bench, Alec, you know, waiting for your shot to fucking prove yourself. And you're ice cold. And, you know, it's pretty hard to stay into the game. You don't really have good buddies. So it's a fucking hard mix. You know, coming from you know playing in a uh, a, a game playing you know twenty fucking 
25 minutes a game to, to nothing, right? right. Yeah, it sucked dick. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I'll have to fucking I'll yeah. edit that part out. That's my dog. <laughs> my fiance's coming home from the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no worries. So when you were in the WPHL, it's I've heard I never well, I never got to see any games from it, but I've heard it was pretty much like the LNH, but a little just without maybe like the WWE sideshow aspect of it. Was there some crazy shit still going on in the WPHL? I know it wasn't quite from the nineties and it was right there at two thousand, but is there some crazy shit yeah. going on in that league? Yeah, you know, if you you can look at you can look at most leagues back then, right? Like I and I, we kind of knew, you know, I kind of knew early on in my career, like if you didn't have a fucking good team or a, a contender like the Quad City Mallards, for right. example, you had to, you had to put a product on the ice uh, that brought fucking maybe an extra thousand people in the stands. That was the difference between your fucking franchise moving forward year to year or folding, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely, you know, everyone, every team had its cast of characters, but nothing is remotely close. AHL, IHL back in the day, uh, for me, that I've played uh, is, is even close to the FNAH. And back then, <laughs> right? Like, they're even going the way of the dodo now with trying to play hockey and they've got exactly. like two, two, two middleweight enforcers that they're trying to promote now. And I'm like, Fuck no, man. Like, oh, what did you see? The no. uh, fucking uh, Danik Lassar just signed with the Marquis. There you go. He right? fucking, like, yeah, he's Lassard. trying to hit his 500 fights. He's trying to get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, and a little long in the tooth. Like, I wouldn't do that. I put this personally. I'd be like, no, I'm down. I can watch this shit from home or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, huh. Well, yeah, back, backtracking a little bit. Sorry to interrupt you, man. Um, no, no. Backtracking a little bit to the UHL, because you brought up a good point was the Mallards, and that was always my favorite team growing up. I, I grew up, I was born in the Quad Cities. Uh, did you ever play like Topper or Mark McFarland or like Howie Rosenblatt back then? Fuck yeah, Mark McFarland. Yeah, McFarland <laughs> was a tough dude. McFarland was a, a little bit of a buddy of mine. I think he spent some time in Macon too, and he's the one that uh, Mark uh, warned me about. Uh, I remember Mark McFarland warning me about his uh, his buddy going uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, big black dude, left-handed. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember fighting the guy thinking, yeah, Mark, fucking you were right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, these guys uh, these guys are all heavyweight tough, right? And, uh, I always had trouble. You know, I, I think, you know, as far as race-wise, like, fucking, to me, uh, you know, a good Canadian boy, a good native Canadian boy is, is the toughest thing you're going to fucking find. Like, I just, I didn't know tougher. Like, a guy you could fucking punch in the face, and he would come back next shift. Like, right. yeah. Like, I see nasty Johnson, these guys were just, yeah, man, it was fucking nightmare. Did you have any run-ins with Topper again over there in the Quad Cities, or was he, uh, was he not there at the time? Yeah. No, Topper, I don't, I never did run into Topper. Oh, man. You know, maybe a shift or something, yeah, but, and did, did Topper have a, uh, a meaningful pro career? What was that? I, I did, I don't know if Topper even had a meaningful pro, pro career, like I know about his junior stuff, right? And then, like, I, I spent a little time in Prince Albert with Shane Topper, but yeah, I don't even know what happened to Topper after 
Uh, let's see, Toporowski, he went to the he was in the IHL for a little bit with the uh, Las Vegas Thunder. And I believe he got a couple preseason he got a couple preseason games with I believe the Blackhawks. Um yeah, but, okay. but his his main mark was made with the Mallards. He's still fucking he put up some good pims and his, he was actually the first Absolutely. number to ever be retired in Mallards history. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, and I top it was a fucking gamer, man. That guy was like night oh, and night insane. out. Yeah. That that five hundred and five penalty minute record in in the dub will Unreal. never be broken. It won't be broken ever. I won't be touched. No, no not, not in today's game. Oh, no dude, fuck! 80, 80 pims is a lot in today's game now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty eighty pims, one hundred and twenty pims is the top, is Ryan Reeves. It's the toughest guy in the show right now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. He's the last one, right? you know, he, he was the last one to fight kind of the heavyweights that were in the league, like, you know, McGratton and yeah. guys yeah. like that. So yeah. Yeah. he's the last of it, man. That's after that. That's all we yeah. got besides. Well, I mean, you got yeah. Wilson, but I don't know about you. Do you do you watch today's game at all or no? I, a little bit like, uh, yeah, Suzanne and I will watch. Uh, we've got it on. Uh, What's that called? I think it's just the NHL Network. Yeah, and All like right. I'll watch playoffs. That's it. Alex, I'll watch playoffs. That's it. Yeah, I'm not a fucking hockey fan, man. Absolutely not. Oh, nope. it's, it's so it's just so fucking hard to watch now. And I watched one well, playoff that, game all year, and that was the Game yeah. Seven. Bruins and Blues game, and it was funny because I was with uh, my my fiance, her dad, um, his coworker, actually is a season ticket holder for the Lightning down here in Tampa. And I mean, I used to be a oh, huge yeah. Lightning fan, loved Lightning. I have their fucking logo tattooed on my chest. So, <laughs> <laughs> sure you do. Yeah, and um, they would invite me to games, and you know, I'm I'm trying to build relationships with my you know my future father in law. So I'm like, you know, fuck yeah, we'll, we'll go, whatever. And I'm just sitting there watching this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is rough. Like I because I, I miss the days with it was like Chris Dingman and Andre Waz and Kanopka and guys like that. And I'm just like Jesus. This is this is tough. I can't. Like it got to a point where he invited me again, and I looked at my fiance. I'm like, for the love of God, can you please go with your dad? Because I cannot fucking waste a Thursday night anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awful? Isn't that awful? Oh, it you is. can't go on a, to a Nassau. You know, there's just not. They, they, there's not that ambiance behind it where you're like, okay, man, my team might be down two goals. You're waiting for that. Exactly, that spark right? that's that going to happen. There's, there's, there's no spark anymore. So the game just stays flat for the whole 60 minutes, and then they speak one out, two, one. Fuck off, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's rough to watch. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, it's. I don't even have to see a fight every game, but they just there's no hitting, there's no physical emotion anymore. Everybody just cares about Dangle Snipe Selly, and it's just I just yeah. it's I, it's not for me. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> no, no, I, I I hear you. You know, uh, I I understand that uh, you know everything everything moves forward, everything moves along. Uh, you know, but. I, I truly believe it's it's just a reflection of our society. Right? Oh, exactly. 100%. Everyone everyone's fucking offended now. You can't say stop. You can't swear. You can't oh, everybody expects truth. players to <laughs> apologize for a hit too. I'm like, why does absolutely. he have to apologize? No, fuck it. Absolutely. You agreed to consent to the assault. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? Fucking, I remember. Remember when Scott Stevens fucking knocked Lindros out, and oh, someone was chirping him, and, and he all he said was, "You're fucking next." Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you said that now, you'd get thirteen games. Yeah. Oh so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Um, 
Well, continuing on with your career here, you end up with one of the most infamous teams in LN, not well, probably not even LNH history. If anybody out there is a hockey fight fan, they've definitely heard of this team. But the Chiefs de Laval out there. Yeah. There's, there's my little, there's my French lesson for anybody out there that was awful. Um, but yeah, you go out there with the, almost. Oh um, yeah, for sure. But uh, you end up with the Laval Chiefs, and how does that happen? What made you go to that league at that time? Well, you know, it's, it always becomes like a, a word of mouth thing, right? And I was, uh, I was down in Corpus Christi, Texas. Career was winding down. Uh, uh, had, a, had a major uh, problem with uh, the extra, extracurriculars. Uh, I'll just be uh, as big as I can, right? Found the blow, found the whiskey. Uh, and that was taken over for me, right? So I kind of get out of that situation, brother, right. right? And and so the uh, the Chiefs came up, right? The problem is, you know, now that I know that I'm in recovery, is wherever I go, there I am, right? So these problems kind of followed me, but but like you know, it was word of mouth, right? And I really didn't have a job down there anymore, right? Uh, we had a guy by the name of Bill Davidson who would get mis- misappropriation of funds down there, but it was absolutely the best two years of my life, right? I was living uh, on the North Beach. Uh, player assistant coach, uh, you know, had a full set-up phone and everything down there, and I would just recruit guys, right, during the summer. And, right. Um, so Alan Simpson came in, um, and... Yeah, like I think the guys, uh, you know, like just abusive to everybody, you know. Hey, you look like a wet fucking noodle out there. You know, <laughs> I used to say, fuck, man, if we didn't, uh, you know, I was really hard to get along with. And I was too at the time, you know, reflecting. And so my my days were numbered and, and Billy's days were numbered too. Like Billy would pull me right out of practice, right? Uh, as the owner, and he was a good buddy of mine, we just go on a fucking road trip, right? <laughs> no, it's just a <laughs> And so my days are numbered, Billy's were kids. And so, yeah, I, I just ended up talking to a buddy and, and, um, and, and got flown in there, and we were playing for, uh, uh, I guess that was uh, Laval at the time, right? Yep. Yeah, the Chiefs, I don't know if they're the Summon Chiefs now or something, but like, it was Laval. And yeah, like they had won the, the league before, and then we had ended up winning it. We won it again that year, right? And it was just like, man, you know, were you, you there for that, uh, that Les Chiefs documentary at all? Was that were you no, there for that? Was, was that the re- was that the year before? It was the next year after. Oh, yeah, okay, year okay. Got, yeah, so yeah, and then the interviews with some of those guys, the one guy with his fucking stickers, or oh man, like. Yeah, well, I think it was uh, Mike Pajerny, a good buddy of mine. It was his brother that did that documentary. Yeah, it oh, was. I, I found that out from uh, Fourth Line Voice. He, uh, it was Mike. Yeah, it was sure. Pajerny's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and like like you said, you walk in the dressing room, right? And fucking take a look around the room, and Craig Martin was there too, right? He was the guy I had trouble with him. I had said some things, some racial slurs that I had to make an amends for, right? But not that heat of the moment shit, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and then, like, looking around the room, and then, you know, first fight, I think, was Terrio. That kind of went okay. Oh. You know, I kind of ducked underneath his right arm, and he fell, and thank God we were, we were kind of done that quickly. What, what, was, that, what was, was that like, you know, leading up to that fight with him? You know, <laughs> well, you know, it was Chad Richard, 
where it was just our line and ended up coming becoming a line ball, right? Scott Richards had done something stupid. He had slooped with somebody. He was always doing <laughs> something fucking stupid, Richards. But yeah, and so we were But I remember, uh, yeah, that, that Lavelle, I remember it was probably the best first shift I had ever had in my life. Uh, the coach had said, okay, and I was out of shape, right? Like I you know, I wasn't playing a lot of hockey down there. I was kind of sitting there for two weeks. I had a girlfriend down there, so I came up, and I just said, okay, I'm just going to hit everything. And my first shift, I went out, and I had like five hits, and the fucking, every hit the fans were going nuts, and it was in their end. The fucking puck bounced out to Matthew Rabby, and he took a wrist shot, and it just went top shelf on the goalie. And the fans were chanting, Renard. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was like, I remember that was my first shift as a Laval chief. It was pretty memorable, right? But, uh, yeah, like you say, there was no shortage in that league. Oh, it God. Was your, your teammates, you had. Fuck, you had Rabbi Razanzoff, Doris DeGurris, Kopech, Martin, Richard. Bedard, Jesus, yeah. fuck, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was just stupid. Like it was, just, I, I, I just couldn't believe how tough we were. Yeah. Oh but, man, know, like, it, it, it worked out in the end too, right? Like I mean, we just willed ourselves to win that fucking title, and we did. And like at the same time, we got to have good players around. I, mean, I want to pay an homage to guys like Danny Paul, Michelle Bonjo. They had to play amidst these fucking animals, right? And, and you know, just did a masterful job of surviving, <laughs> you know? What was, uh, what was Pat Cote like? I have one of his game-worn Pat jerseys. Cote. I think it's from that same year you were there, but I haven't found yeah. any pictures of him. But what was Cote like? Yeah, Pat, Pat was a great uh, teammate, right? Like, you know, like you say, not to cross talk on anyone, but we were partying pretty hard, right? I mean, everything's paid for. You know, guys are making good cash. And, I mean, you're in fucking Montreal, man. You could play twice a week. What do you think happening on the weekends, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, after, after, after hours clubs. I mean, it was it was wide open, right? Yeah. And maybe, you know, I don't know. All, all the steroids you can handle, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, so, well. You're in Laval, and you end up winning the championship. What, did you play in the championship game that you guys had? You know what? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Yeah, we were in our our building, and fucking, uh, we got to running around, and we were losing 5-3. And, man, I remember I just had a kid lined up at center ice, and he ended up passing the puck and falling. And I kind of fell with him. I tried to put my shoulder into his into his and my knee hit him and fucked it. I got suspended for three games. Oh, shit. So going into the championship game, Badge, Mike Bajerny was, was a healthy scratch. We had to scratch some of the heavy duties, right, um, you know, for playoffs. But, yeah, so Mike and I watched that from the stands. It was a little bit of a heartbreaker, right? But, you know, not to say we didn't help get there, Let's right? Let's say you're a part of it. You <laughs> yeah. had 19, 19 games and 77 pims. You, it's not like you weren't doing nothing. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and you put up yeah, nine I'm points. Gonna... Yeah, I'd put up uh, nine points. Yeah, you know, I could pass the puck. I had a decent shot. Uh, like, you know, I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't too one-dimensional. One yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, one team you end up on, and this is a—it's a very interesting league. It didn't last long at all, 
but you end up in Alabama with the Slammers in the WHA2. How is that league? Yeah, that was one of those uh, popcorn, you know, we tried to start that thing up overnight. There were some guys involved that had uh, gone from the, the debacle that was Corpus Christi. Um, and then I think some of the management moved over, right? And so there are guys like me and Prentice and, uh, you know, we just kind of morphed over there and, you know, it was tough. You know, they tried to bring hockey back to Alabama. They weren't in the big Birmingham Bulls old rink. Uh, we were actually, I think, in a, a town called Pelham outside. And, but, yeah, they couldn't, you know, by the end of it, they couldn't get insurance. I remember, you know, they couldn't get insurance to, to for the players anymore, and we kind of heard whispers of that. So my shoulder was clicking a bit that year, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go into House South. And House South is actually... The one they've got there at the Birmingham Hospital is one of the best orthopedic uh, places on earth. So I ended up getting my shoulder done. Yeah. And then just called her a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was one of those deals there. Yeah, things are getting greasy near the end, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to get the shoulder fixed. And they asked if you want to do it now or at the end of the year. I'm like, well, they're not going to have insurance at the end of the year. Right. Well, oh, yeah, that's what happened. It's funny you talk about shit getting greasy, and then you end up in the lovely changing of names, the LNAH. How did how did that come about? How did you get to your second your uh, your second stint in that league? Yeah, same kind of a deal. Just talking with uh, right. friends, and yeah, was uh, I think the second stint was with Sorrell, right? Yes, it was. And what happened is. Yeah, and then so uh, uh, I ended up talking with my old coach. I can't remember his name, but he had coached in. Uh, uh, he had coached me in Laval with the Chiefs, and he wanted me to come uh, come on board there. And so it was kind of a natural progression, right? And at this time, I was like, "Man, what am I going to do with the rest of my life?" Right? Like, I kind of was stretching a single into a double. My my heart was not really into the game, you know, until you get in shape and you start playing. But, you know, this is all takes a hell of a lot of commitment, right? Right. And then, like... Well, especially you know, a league like that. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, if you go into that league uh, unprepared, you'll be exposed very Oh, very yeah. Quickly. You're getting dummied in yeah. two seconds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. And, fuck, we had a good team. And, actually, that, that year I had stopped drinking. It was just uh, become a little nuts. And, fuck, we were playing some good hockey going into the playoffs. And then, shit, yeah, we, we, ran, we ran into uh, uh, Pro Lab. I think they were the nerds of the – Yeah, uh, the nerd they, league. They, yeah, the nerds <laughs> the of the nerd league. Team, yeah. They were, yeah, they were beating us in our building. and. They had a guy by the name of Deschamps, and he he was like a Chad Grills guy, just all game, wouldn't just chicken shit little things and hit from behind and never go anybody. And so I remember that's when that brawl happened. We had some guys out there that had just gotten scored on the Are you talking about that, that in, the run. infamous brawl where they just, just, you guys just fucking dummied them, like right off the draw? Yeah. Oh, man, I was going to yeah, ask yeah. if you were part of that. That's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was. And so I pulled the guy by the name of Simone Poirier. He was on the on the ice, and I said, Poirier. So I stepped over in the starting defense, right? So you kind of knew something was fucking wrong in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> the puck dropped, and my roommate at the time just flashed his guy, and oh, fuck that. It just went on and on and on. And yeah, that was, you know, that was 
uh, ended up being a six or seven minute brawl on it. Yeah, ended up going to the other team team's bench. Yeah, I mean, got some regrets around that. Now you don't have to answer this, but I have heard, <laughs> I have heard that there might have been an envelope of money involved in between that period to get that brawl going, <laughs> or a little, a little, uh, little en- enticement for that brawl. Well, absolutely. They were always, uh, <laughs> you know, like when when you know when guys like Donald Bashir came into the building. Um, there were, uh, I guess the, the word you could use was bounties, right? Yep. Uh, and yeah, like there were no fucking apologies for bounties. Like this is right out of motherfucking slap shop, bro. And yeah, like there was 1500 bucks, uh, for the guy who fucking went after fucking Bashir cash money that game. And if you look, um, there's actually some good video. Now the owners of the, uh, of, uh, are, uh, hockey team owned Remstar Productions uh, out of Montreal, and they actually are movie makers. So they had a film crew uh, uh, follow us all year. Oh, they've, got wow. an excellent, uh, they've got an excellent two-disc uh, CD about the Sorrel mission that year. Phenomenally done to old-school, like, uh, you know, old-school rock and roll, you know, cheesy Montreal shit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, it's not nice. If you can get your hands on it, uh, yeah, I would imagine you'd have to fucking send someone at Remstar Productions, but they'd be glad to send those out for sure. Oh, yeah, man, they were damn proud of that, that video. Yeah, guys, you know, like a guy, Mike Goldie scored 50 that year, and it was kind of neat to watch the progression of the goals. And, you know, then they had a segment on Brad One Punch Lambert and, you know, Dean the Machine Mayrand. You know, it was kind of well done. But, yeah, and all fights were well done, too, right? You guys, I but mean, yeah, that, that team, it was that team, and then, I don't know, at that point, would it have been Laval? I probably should have fucking looked that up here. I am not doing my goddamn research. Um if it was Laval, or it might have been Verdun, who was just fucking stacked. But I mean, you guys had Jason Rushton, Craig Brunel, Morasti, Lambert, and uh, yeah. Dan Tyson, Mayrand. Like Jesus Christ, man, mm-hmm. that's insane. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Sorrell was fucking super tough that year too. And then like Terrio and Sugden played on the same fucking team that year as well, right? Oh. Like, it was like man, anywhere you looked, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, we have guys come in, like, damn tight. Like, Tice fucking worked a regular job, and he's just ambient guys, right? Like, fucking. Oh, Tice is, like, a fucking legend in that league. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody have more, like, knockout punches than Tice. (laughs) Unreal. Just just unassuming fucking dude, and would just make guys go to sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the good old ambient punch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the ambient punch. Yeah, they're a great guy, too, right? Like, I love that these guys are just great guys, too, right? They get the odd prick for sure, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, just great dudes. Well, I got to ask because I'm a huge fan of his, but what were your your first impressions of John Morasti? Oh, Nasty. My first impressions, like, I, I remember watching Nasty fight, uh, you know, big, big men and, and fight them for a long amount of time. And what what always concerned me about Johnny was taking too much abuse, right? Like, yeah. um, as a smaller guy to fight toe-to-toe, I just thought, you know, and who knows what's going to happen down the road. But there is, in my, in my humble opinion, and I've seen a lot, right? I've seen a lot of, I fucking fought a lot of tough dudes. And Johnny Morosity has my utmost respect, um, 
to be that small. You know, we talk about Probert, but to me, to me, pound for pound, Ty Domi was the toughest man that walked on the ice. Like, well, he's got the most, that, most career NHL fights. Uh, and listen, what he did to big men, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, if absolutely. you're in a playground, if you're in a playground and someone is 6'6", six, six, 270, and you're fucking 5'9", fucking 180, like, odds should say, right? But what this guy did with big men, and Morassi, same thing, right? Like, you know, time and again to have that courage and that, like to 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 summon that fucking what it takes as a smaller guy to fight big big heavy heavyweights oh and fight him the way he did like he right. didn't fight him you know I don't know like he didn't fight him with little elbow punches and kind of you know like Tim Hunter would never get hit clean right yeah but no like he he stood in there and like he just him fucking and took LeBlanc. it yeah yeah him and LeBlanc and gave it and oh him absolutely LeBlanc. Yablonski and him had fucking just ugly clink, clink, clink fights. Right? The like, Yablonski ones were probably runner-up to the Bosse saga. It was those were insane absolutely. too. Oh, that's the best. Absolutely. That's the best absolutely. outdoor hockey fight when they had that little heritage or Winter Classic in the AHL. There yeah. will never be a better outdoor fight than that one. <laughs> I don't. I, I couldn't agree more, brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't want to get too too much into the LNH talk because. Well, we sure. talked about before. I want to do a segment on specifically just the LNH um, because I think the the league in itself deserves its own fucking episode. Just the aura around it and how crazy it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I got to get you back on for that. But before we leave the LNH, I got to ask if you can give me a Brad Lambert story. <laughs> Because I see Brad Lambert on the, in the one, Facebook group, and he Brad kills Lambert me. Stood? Well, I'm sure there's What's a I'm sure there's a thousand you can tell me, but it's just funny to me because you know he's called Brad One Punch Lambert. He comes into the Facebook group and he'll fucking just give a one liner to somebody after I post some shit about one of one of you guys. Typically, it's like Mayrand, you and Morasty, and I'm like, we're gonna start calling him fucking Brad One Line Lambert because he'll come in, torch somebody, and just fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> Lambert's a beauty. I, I'm, I'm going to tone it down. I, I, like Lambert was my best friend Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, when we were playing uh, uh, in Sorel. And uh, yeah, him and I chunked together, did everything together. Dino was in the mix too. But yeah, I, I'm just going to say Brad uh, Lambert, he was one of those guys, you know, he he looks about fucking 30 years older than me. Right? <laughs> uh, but but Brad, I'm going to tell you, for some reason, he was like a big teddy bear, right? And he ended up dating, like, the hottest girl, uh, you know, in and around Sorrel, Montreal. I think she's like uh, some kind of a performer now. But, yeah, that, uh, we shouldn't take too much away from Lambo there. He was actually, <laughs> you know, for some reason, he was appealing enough to these, uh, to these women. And, yeah, he landed himself a pretty hot chick there. Of course, uh, you know, uh, the extracurriculars or whatever imploded that, uh, any idea of that lasting too long. But, yeah, I'll, I'll just tell a nice story about him. He, he, uh, yeah, he ended up getting a... A, pr- a pretty good date out of the deal. Uh, the old nickname, One Punch Lambert, I think helped out that Right, I mean, he was sure. rolling through the he league. He wasn't you know. the best-looking dude out there. Yeah. But yeah, Lambert was a, a great teammate and is, and is still a, gra- a great friend. Yeah. yeah, he seems like a great yeah. guy. You know, I've, I've, I've 
private messaged him a couple of times, just bullshitting a little bit. Um, yeah. I got to <coughs> Oh, shit. Excuse me. Fucking A. Um, I, I messaged him. I got to get him on for the LNH special. I think he'd be a fucking beauty to mm-hmm. have on. Um, Absolutely. Like, Brad ran through, you know, like he, he fucked up Roberge. Roberge tried to go lefty on him, and Brad switched and fucking uh, cracked his fucking face open for 11 stitches right oh. in the middle of his face. That was, that was the end of Roberge. Like, just... Fucking Lambert was was hurting guys, and at that uh, that that first year I was with Sorrell, uh, yeah, he was having a fucking fuck of a year, right? Yeah, yeah he even bounced back against yeah. Bosse because he Bosse had had kind of beat him a little bit in that. I think it, I think it was actually in the fucking Bell Center that they were in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and then he comes back and just, just fucking got the better of Bosse. Like it wasn't even a contest the second round. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, no. The guy was a fucking uh, force. Like he was forced to be regular. Like the backstory behind that, he came to the LNA and LNAH right out of fucking junior. He was heading across the border to go fucking uh, to Columbus Blue Jackets camp, man. And they found a fucking roach under his fucking driver's seat. Oh right? like, wow! Bunch of bullshit, Alec. A fucking roach. Come on now. Oh know? fuck! If different yeah. times, if it would have been now, that would have been no fucking big deal. Sure, yeah, and all like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Back then, you kind of should have the radar on, too, but, yeah. Oh, Lando is fucking tough as nails, man. Oh, fuck, that's too bad. <laughs> um, well, I got two more fights I want to ask you about, man, and then, I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much, we'll, we'll call it after that. I've, I've taken enough of your fucking right time on, for buddy. tonight. <laughs> sure, no, that was a great, that was great. Yeah, that was so, great. in Sorrell, you fought a... Uh, I mean, it might be the French pronunciation. Simone Robida, Robida. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. His brother was a national hockey leader. Yeah. Right. You fought him, and <laughs> I actually had to. Sh- I had to show this to my fiance just last night because I'm sitting there looking up, and I was like, "This fucking fight!" I'm sitting there laughing during it, and she was like, "What are you laughing?" At? I was like, well, "I was like, just watch this." I was like, "The guy, the guy, I'm, uh, the player I'm trying to interview tomorrow." I was like, "This is one of his fights." And, you know, you seem like you go toe-to-toe with them and everything like that. And then the refs kind of get in, and you, you're not stopping. And you just you keep, no. trying to, you keep trying to get at them. And then finally you end up getting off, and the ref is trying to sit there and yell at you and, like, you know, bitch yeah. you out for whatever. And you're just fucking pumping up the crowd, giving them the salute and everything like that. What, what, what made you not want to stop in that fight? Okay, so that that fight, the little background story there was uh, there, there's actually a, a smaller fight scene game previous to that, and fucking Rubina kind of quick started me that motherfucker. Yeah, like uh, he kind of just fucking jumped on me, right? So I didn't get squared off. I didn't get squared up. Now, uh, and I made a commitment in that fight. So I was fucking pissed off. Like literally went in to fight pissed off. It was usually because I had done something retarded on the ice. And now there's repercussions, right? And I had no problem with that. I was a little bit missed, but we were the last fight. We had all our fights, made that went through and whoever. So we were the last fight of the night. And fucking, uh, I just kind of. After the first 15 were over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the finale. We were the only two guys left, right? So I'm like, uh, all right, fucking, he starts away. So we started, and uh, I said, okay. He's going to want to go toe-to-toe here. I'm just going to wait. So I spin a bit, and I wait till I get my fucking uh, distance. But if you can see in that fight, we touch each other, right? We were, like, we're straight up and down toe-to-toe. It's a good fight. But when he touches me, 
I think I'm in just in a better spot and I'm touching him deeper with my punches, right? And so I hit him twice and then he bails and so I come underneath, right? And I was fucking pissed. I'm like, I want, you know, and I did that. Uh, like, I, it was the same on the street. If someone was going to fuck with me, I was going to beat them up enough that they didn't come back. Right. So I'm talking about the, you know, the Native American will fucking come back to his fight the next step. It's like, holy fuck, buddy. <laughs> you know, and, that was the thing with Robin. And I talked to him after the game. And I was saying, good job, toe-to-toe. And I'm like, yeah, I thought you were going to hang in there a little longer, right? We were spinning and we both. And then as soon as I, as soon as I knew that he was going to bail, I just came underneath with the next two, right? And he was falling at the same time. I always had an issue with refs, Alec. What the fuck are you becoming a referee for? Because you can't play the game, you fucking doofus, right? You know, I, I guess. <laughs> I never. I don't like linesmen. Drop the puck. The NHL. The oh, I'm so bad with it now. Big show. Drop the puck, you fucking little dink that can't play the game. You know, don't get me going on routes. But yeah, <laughs> I was never a fan. I never a fan of routes, Alec. And that was one of those things that the refs job and you know, I just kind of wanted off and trying not to push him and ended up you know touching him a bit there. But yeah, and then of course turn around and I'm yelling at the fans and the fans, it was, it was in Sherbrooke and it was a great fight. The fans are pumped up and I'm pulling them frogs and, and frogs and me and all my coaches, friends and all my players, you know, I just had no, no off button. Like, I don't know why I was, yeah, but you know, like anyone that knows me is knows I'm loyal and an intense guy and pretty forgiving around the dressing room, right? I'd go to the wall for the boys, for sure. But, yeah, right. on the ice with uh, with the enemy, you know, like even coaching technologies, you know, I had to, I had a, an ex-wife there, and her kid used to talk to other teams before the game, and I'd bench them. Don't you fucking say a word to that kid before the game. You guys can go touch each other in the playground after the game or whatever, but don't, no. Don't fucking talk during the game. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's, it's fucking now it's cocktail hour world. in the NHL. It's cocktail hour in between fucking or in the pregame. <laughs> like everyone's gotten deals, eh? And that's what we would say. Like if you went up, you know, and say, hey, Jay, how are you doing today? I knew guys were cutting deals. They didn't want to pay the piper that. Like don't fucking butter me up. Yeah. My favorite was I think it was uh, I think it was Jeremy Cornish on the biscuit was talking about something like this. You know, talking in between games, and he said he got so fucking mad at some guy in the pregame skate and one of his teammates asked, like, you know, what the fuck are you yelling at him for? And he goes, he asked me how my fucking summer was. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. It's like, yeah, that shit's yeah, missing from don't. today. <laughs> asked me how my fucking <laughs> summer was. <laughs> but but I'll, I'll tell you, you kind of know you got somebody then, though, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what the fuck are you asking about my... Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> well... The next year, you end up in uh, in Verdun with the Dragons, and of course Lambert yeah. goes over there with you. But you have uh, yeah. sorry, this last guy I'll to ask you about, and then I got one more fight after this. <laughs> sorry to keep you fucking yeah. long, man. I know we're running here. No, um, no, no, it's all good, bro. I got fuck all this schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, kind of a uh, legend in the league of the LNH, and also a big guy in the uh, UFC. A uh, little guy, somebody might have heard of him, named Steve Bosse. What was it like with Bosse? Oh, fuck, man. To watch Bosse in his prime, you know, when he fought Lambert, he, he was doing the spinning thing and stuff and, you know, uh, really wasn't, uh, didn't find his niche. He was young. 
and fucking right. that year, oh, to watch Bossy in his prime. Yeah, like he was chewing through guys and like eager and like Parker came out of the bench and like he fucking slashed Parker in the chest. Parker wouldn't fight him, wouldn't fight him. He was just chomping at the bit. Like I saw Terrio wouldn't go near him at the time. Fuck that. And Bossy was going through guys and then, uh, you know, he was, uh, Bossy was scarred up a bit and he ended up fighting Dean Mayrand and, yep. uh, Dean, Dean who's, uh, Bossy's now is my teammate and Dean's a best friend at the time. And <clears throat> yeah, so he got the better of Dean, right? And, and Dean, uh, like, uh, you know, he stunned Dean or whatever. And then, so Dean had shut her down. You know, we, we'd go out and enjoy ourselves. Dean, I didn't see him for something three weeks, you know, and I guess what had happened is Bossy was a proud, he wasn't bragging, but he was proud that he had fought Dean and he was talking, he was fiance or somebody on the phone and Dean can understand perfect French, right? And so fucking that put a, uh, a burr under Dino's ass, right? And right. So Dean laid low for, for a couple of three weeks and sure enough, the, the rematch was on and, I remember fucking Dean laying that left hand out, you know, and his chin, his chin is tucked in, and we know Bossy's coming in with that big right. He didn't, and that was the thing. He didn't care. He he would take one right and just, it, the right was coming, and he knew it. And fucking Dean just stiffened it, just do this beautiful jab, this slick jab, boom, and I could hear it, right? You just hear that punk. Yep. And then as soon as the jab was out, Dean's right was falling and he threw the jab the old jab and grab right and fuck man dean's right hand was just connecting uh dean's hand was broken at the time he broke it again like it was fractured and yeah he had uh he had pumped up bossy fucked as he beat up bossy that night but bossy stood in there right didn't go down just stood in there and took it insane the way those guys fought you know I, I I just you know like the way Bosse fought, the way uh, uh, Nasty fought, the way Terry fought, uh, open, you know Yabo, uh, these guys took punishment did it. Uh, I just you know my my wish for them honestly, all joking aside, Alex, is that there's no CTE or, or no you know I'm I'm pr- I'll pray for these fucking guys because I didn't fight like that. I, I, I remember seeing stars, Alex, and I, you know, during fights. And I never, I, I remember uh, Cloutier caught me coming across the middle uh, up in northern Alaska, and I got knocked out from a hit. Uh, but, yeah, thank God I, I didn't, you know, who knows what's coming down the pipe for me as well, right? Like a ton of street fights and a ton of hockey fights, and, and we just kind of hope that, that, that things don't, uh, you know, you're not a fucking vegetable at 65, right? You, you want to enjoy your life as well, right? Absolutely, and that's that's something yeah, people kind of misconceive about uh, us hockey fight fans. Wow. Because we like fighting, all of a sudden we like CTE. Well, no, we don't like CTE. Right. It's not what we want at all. You go to the extreme about it. Obviously, we wish nothing but the best for all the guys who play the role. It's that so much we respect the role so much that we gravitate right. to it and enjoy the boys that fucking did it because they put their well-being on the line for the game of hockey. Absolutely, Alec. Absolutely, Alec. And, you know... Uh, no fucking regrets, right? No crying over spilt milk. And, I was going to say, do you I have any regrets do... about your career? Oh, absolutely not, Alex. <laughs> no, I was going to say, maybe, you know, maybe that you didn't go one more, eh? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like, what I what I wish 
probably maybe could have happened is I had a, a little bit of a different outlook, maybe a little less fear, you know, uh, fucking a lot of it was fear driven and, and there was some doubt there. I wish I would have kind of went after it when like there's, there's these things I like to call windows and I was in the eye at 21 and I should have, I should have just, I should have just fought with more zeal more often, right? right? I was, I got so afraid to get knocked out that I kind of, I kind of hid, I hid myself and I shortchanged myself a bit, but absolutely still no regrets. It is what it is. And it was what it was. And I, geez, I, I sure have some amazing, uh, love and respect for the relationships of coaches. Trainers were huge in my life. I love goalies. I'm a goalie guy, right? Goalies always love tough guys, too. It was a weird fucking uh, deal there. That bromance is fucking strong (laughs) in the the hockey world for some reason. But, yeah, like, all the people I've met, all the wonderful coaches and all the the coaches that were cocksuckers, too, right? You know, at the end of the day, fuck, we're all just doing the best we could with what we have, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, man, it's been a real fucking treat having you on here as the very first player player guest I've ever had on this podcast. You know, I'm starting out. I know I don't have my. I probably don't have the you know the the most viewership, but it's it's real. I can't thank you enough for coming on here and giving me the time of day to even talk about your career and reminisce about the good old days of the hockey, uh, the hockey game, and everything like that. Fuck, fuck yeah, like it's been an absolute pleasure for me. I know you have an associated, uh, association there with Max Mittendorf. Say hi to him. Uh, Max, he was one of those guys. Oh, Max, he's a beauty, eh? Best, <laughs> best teammate. He could fucking, he could murder guys and score like he did it Absolutely. all. Absolutely. He was fucking tough. Um, so, you know, shout out to what you're doing as well, Alex. Uh, I know all us old uh, remnants of tough guys are are loving this, uh, breathing this uh, fresh, uh, fresh air into uh, you know an otherwise uh, weird subject. It's it's unreal that hockey's become what it has, and, right. and it's almost like taboo now. Ninety six to find it you know it's it's too bad, but uh, <laughs> you know kudos to you, and and I wish you all the luck in the world, buddy. And uh, yeah, you know uh, consider this a, a friendship, and we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. It, it was my absolute pleasure to do this, bud. You bet. I appreciate it, man. Well, I got to have you on again for the uh, the LNH special. I think that'll be a real treat for everybody, too. You're sure, and I, I think if you guys could set up a dynamic where you could get fucking four or five guys sitting together on a microphone, the, the fucking the, the sky's the limit then, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you can get four or five guys in and then have motherfuckers call in, I mean, wow. I'll have to look into that. That's actually a really good fucking idea. I never even thought about that. You're, uh, really, fuck, you're, the, you're, you're the new tech department of my podcast now. You're fucking, you got promoted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if I'm if I'm the brand new operation, we got some serious fucking issues. But. <laughs> yeah, imagine that you yeah. said retard Renard on the uh, the operations there. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, you have yourself a good night, brother. Turn out the lights. Okay, Alex, you too. You enjoy. The part is over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night The part is over And tomorrow starts the same old thing again